Here we are, folks. Welcome to another episode of What Are You Guys Talking About? We are on our top 10 film quest, and this time it was my pick. And, you know, last time I picked, we did The Matrix. Then we had an excellent discussion last week about Life of Brian. Um, this week is another Edgar Wright film, and I'm going to have lots to say about it, but we're going to try to contain my joygasms um, <laughs> as much as we can. Ed, just give me the look. You didn't give me the look through The Matrix, so you got to give me the look and be like, dude. Shut up. Dude. Dude. <laughs> Anyways, we're talking about Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which I think Eddie said in the last podcast is very me. Um, yeah, this is one of my, this is uh, another film I would love to make, something like this at least. Eddie sent me over all of Edgar Wright's music videos after that, and I was like, yes, why aren't we doing music videos? So please call us if you want to do music videos. Um, but yes, I, this is a, a particular piece that I use. Last night, it inspired me. I was writing again. Like It's one of those things that will always trigger with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about why as we go along. But before we get started with the whole thing, let's just start out with the normal things. Please, please, please like us, subscribe. We're on SoundCloud. We're also on Apple Podcasts. Those are the two easiest way to find us. There's a couple others. We're going to be on more things coming up. But please like, subscribe comment okay i don't get many comments on the podcast we do get them on our videos but this one tell us what you think we'd love to have the discussion with you you know offline online whatever about this because this is all about us reaching out to filmmakers and saying this is how we see a film and how we would use it for filmmaking but we want to hear from you the other ways to get in touch with us jason shiro which is c-h-e-r-o-t or edward burgos on facebook we also have a web page i'm sorry we also have a, a home page for face on facebook for love victoria productions you can also visit us on Instagram with Anano LVP or Jazzy J. Shiro. Um, I have a Twitter account that I run for the production company, which is uh, Mouth Love Victoria with the at symbol in the front. You can find us on LinkedIn with Jason Shiro or again the Love Victoria page. But as I was alluding to before, the best way to get all the content, all the fun stuff, and to reach out to us, and I do find out who visits this site, is www.lovevictoriaproductions.com. Again, that's www.lovevictoriaproductions.com. That has all of our stuff. So if you want to see our old short films, if you want to hear about what we're working on, you want to read my MCU blog post or watch some D&D videos by Dungeon Master Eddie, it's all there for you. And it's designed to be a one-stop shop for all the fun stuff you want to see. So please, come check us out. All right. Yes. We've, got, we've gotten through all the brass tacks now. That's right. Now we usually talk about a synopsis, or at least some discussion about what's the, what are we talking about here. So Scott Pilgrim versus the World, well, directed by Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first saw this film, I don't think I even knew that, Eddie. Interesting. Uh, were you aware of him... No. As an entity? So really one of the thing. most interesting things about my pairing with Eddie, because we, we, we have known each other for 12 years, but I don't think we could really say we were best friends until about when he moved back, about three years ago. And Ed, as soon as you moved, you because I think it's when Baby Driver was coming out, yeah. and you were talking about this guy. And now we've had two of his films on the top ten, and I'm like, yeah, there's something to be said about that. Yeah, there's definitely something there. So um, you cast characters crew things like that do you want to walk us through some of the cooler people that were in this well I, the cast is incredible for this i mean looking back at it now in terms of the number of people that have gone on to really incredible careers i mean uh you know you've got michael Sarah. yeah um you've got mary elizabeth winstead okay so and i'm just gonna say it now because i'll probably gush all over this mic for you mary like i saw you as huntress and birds of prey you and I also saw you, and I can't remember the name of the film, but you were in a film where you played 
a um, a woman that had been saved from a cult, and the best thing about that, I'm ruining this for Eddie, who's never seen this film, but the best thing about Not the movie... Not 10 Cloverfield Lane. No, no. Another film she's brilliant she's in, but in she that. was in this film. She basically turns... turns. They bring a guy in to, yeah. to, 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 to change her, and she manages to switch him around. Oh, wow. I, what I would she's say... She's a scream queen, right? I, yeah, she's... I'm just gonna I'm just gonna gush a bit. What Go I would say, it. what I, I... No, she's more of an... She can do action. She can do a lot of things... She represents, I think, very well what a lot of us see in a modern woman. Like, mm-hmm. she just has this ability to be tough but nerdy mm-hmm. at the same time, to be vulnerable and whatever. And, you know, it's not just because I've got a minor crush on you. It's it's because... I mean, I have a major crush. Yeah, a lot of people do, though. I mean, a lot of people do. And she is hailed as one of these really good actresses. Mm. And I would say that's true just because she acts in a way that seems like she's not acting. Mm. Like, when she plays Huntress, like... It's one of the greatest characters because she's this, uh, you know, she's a mob kid that's getting revenge on everybody, but she's a complete dork. So mm. she just keeps messing up her lines and things like this. Yet when she pulls off the action sequences, they're, they're you know, awesome on this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going back to Scott Pilgrim, I mean, this is one of the things that you really have to showcase about the actors on there is how much action is in this film. Yeah. Michael Sarah, oh. like, wow. Yeah, seriously. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for, he... He's always he's always been good, but here he's on another level. Yeah, and I think I mean, that it's the collaboration. Yeah, and it's a thing because his career has had his ups and downs. You know, he did that. Uh, you know, I first remember him from Juno mm-hmm. as the runner, as the as the the, the father in Juno. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to ruin that for anybody. Um, <laughs> happens in the first ten minutes, though. Yeah. So I mean, Arrested Development. He kind of made him I'd famous. See, I never watched any of that or mm. Curb Your. You know, those are all those those, those films. Yeah, like, those, those TV comedies shows. and stuff. Yeah. And I never watched any of those but there was an era where he was you know it was it was post it was super was, bad right like that's that's kind of that's the big what i was about to out. say so it was the jonah hill michael Sarah yeah. era and um you know i haven't seen him as much around lately which is a shame because i'm he's he's a very talented actor yeah he does that type of acting really well so yeah. i don't know if it's that there's not as many roles now for that kind of stuff maybe maybe he's a little typecast but again i felt like here he really kind of spread his wings a little bit definitely i mean Ed's best comment last night, and we're going to go all over the place with this because it was such an amazing film, and I do love it so much. Ed's best comment last night while we were talking about this, because we texted each other while we are watching it, um, was like, wow, this film was so ahead of its time. Mm. So a couple podcasts ago, we were talking about Mumblecore, and I really started thinking about that when you said that because I was like, yeah, this was before Ty West. This was before all the Mumblecore that now there's yeah, just hipster, there's hipsters yeah. everywhere, yeah. right? You yeah. know, The Flight of the Condors is probably the first time I can remember Hipster Flight vision. Of, Flight of the Concords. Yeah. Concords, yeah. yeah. You know, Taika, Taika Waititi coming yeah. later with we what we do in Shadows, which yeah, is kind yeah. of a, a spoof on on all of that. But this all comes probably like five, ten years down the line. When did this movie come out? This is 2010. Wow. So, yeah, it is really old. Ten years ago. I mean, considering. considering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it hold, boy, does it hold up. Oh, man. There are, there are modern films that aren't as good as yeah. this film. And this is the thing, like... So the first thing I would encourage you is to watch this film. If you haven't put it on yet, if you haven't watched it in a while, you will forget just how good it is. Because I did, and Ed did. Um, yeah. Uh, in terms of the rest of the cast, because it really is quite something... We had Bill Pope on, on cinematography yeah. again. That's one of Edward, Edward Wright's... Again, these are crews, so this is... Edgar Wright, you're going to have, is it Naira? I always get her name. Naira Park, yeah. Naira Park. She's mm-hmm. on there with a ton of other producers this time, though. So that's another thing is it's very interesting watching this after Shaun of the Dead because you can see the growth of their production yes. company, which, yeah. God, I would love for us to do that. <laughs> but there's so many more executive producers. Yeah. Edgar Wright's an executive producer on this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Bill Pope, who also did The Matrix, he yeah. was also D- DOP for oh, The Matrix. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I was wondering where I thought, I knew I knew that name, and I was like, yeah. wow, he's been around. Uh, but you've got Kieran Culkin. Yes, one of the best roles I've ever seen him play. The Culkins are, are great actors. They to are very good actors. As a family, they do really well. Kieran, if I remember correctly, is the kid with the glasses in Home Alone. Yeah, he's the one that wets the bed. That's right. It's my, my wife's favorite character, Fuller. <laughs> um, but he's also, it's the, I th- is it him or the other one that's in, because Macaulay's older now and yeah, it, yeah. it only appears in certain things. Yeah. But there's two other brothers, I thought, because there's one of them in Scream 4 as well. I think you're right. I think there is another That's the Culkin other Culkin. Yeah, but they're both really good. Yeah. yeah um, and they yeah. look like they're brothers. So that's yeah. another thing that makes it easier. Yeah. So, so yeah. So Kieran Culkin playing the gay roommates. Yeah. Um, Chris Evans is in this. That's why right. he plays Luke Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. That is Luke Lucas. See, mm. this is what I love. Like, he's just watching me joygasm all over the place right now. <laughs> I love this film. Yeah. I just want to be in this film. Yeah. Anna Kendrick. Who... Yes, Anna Kendrick, who I know her. I said, you might not know her as well, but Trolls. If you ever watch Trolls, she is Poppy. <laughs> right, right, And right, so yeah. my daughter, when I mean, a couple of years ago now, but mm. my daughter, and that was her first film, actually, in the wow. cinema, was yeah. Trolls. Danced I, in the middle of the I aisles. mean, you know, uh, Pitch Perfect, obviously, was her big I never hit. saw those. Those good. Very good. Yeah. Never saw those. Because um, the, um, the, the, one of the... Yes. Um, uh, who's in that? Rebel Rebel, Rebel Williams. Wilson. Oh, she, she Rebel Wilson. That's yeah, yeah, it. She's yeah. one of the Wilson sisters. Um, one of the Wilson sisters. I didn't know. I that. think so. Yeah. As in, not not related to. Yeah, part Owen of that, Wilson. That, that, and... No, 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 no. The the, the, okay. the I'm probably getting confused with someone. Rebel Wilson. Yeah. She's really funny in Jojo Rabbit. Oh, okay. Where I just saw her. Yeah. yeah. She plays. I mean, the... she's she's pretty cool. I I, I like her a lot. So, not in this film, though. <laughs> she's not uh, in this She's film. not. No, Anna Kendrick. Uh, Alison Pill, who is hands down one of my favorite actors currently. Is that Jody? It's Kim. Which one's Kim? Kim is the drummer. <gasps> we are sex papa. Oh, my God. The burnt, the burnt drummer. I, I, you see, and the funny thing is, when this comes up on the credits, you literally, like, as I was reading credits, I knew who each person was. Mm. Now I don't know it as well. But as it was coming up, I was like, yeah, that's that person, yeah. that's that person, that's that person. But Alison Pill, she starred in The Newsroom. Which was the Aaron Sorkin. Heard it was good. Really good. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin, one of my guys. He's a a talker like me. Uh, She was in Snowpiercer. She's she's developed a really good... Snowpiercer, I've been hearing about this because I Mm. I went back and listened to Slash Filmcast, just giving you guys a shout out there because I love your podcast. But I wanted to go back and hear what you guys had to say about Parasite because I saw it and I just wanted... Sometimes it's just reaffirmation that it was an amazing movie and see what your favorite bits were because I like listening to you guys on my train ride. And they were talking about Snowpiercer as being Bon... Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon-ho's, uh, another one of his films. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever seen it. Is it on Netflix or something? It's it's a weird one, because it was shelved by Harvey Weinstein. Okay. So the Weinstein uh, he, wanted, he wanted it to be completely recut and changed. Okay. And Bong Joon-ho kind of didn't want that. Okay. So there was a massive delay, and when it was released... And it was one of the first films to be released first on VOD. Okay. Or at the same time on VOD and on screens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it kind of got a little bit lost. I, I absolutely love it. They're, they're making a TV show about it now. Okay. Um, but it's it's fantastic. She's in Snowpiercer. I'll have yeah. to check that out. Um, then you've got uh, Brandon Routh. Superman. Um, he plays the vegan. <gasps> 
He's like uh, probably my favorite. Without the blonde hair, yeah. without the white hair, I'd probably recognize him because yeah, yeah the face. He yeah. played Superman in uh, not. Oh, Superman not Returns. The most recent... yes, so he's the, not Henry Cavill. The Brian Singer version. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. God, that was awful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason Schwartzman, who I love. Let, let, no, yeah, but Jason Schwartzman as a villain. Let's yeah. just put it there. So. I think it's Jason Swartman that's in one of my favorite older indie films. One's, see, back when I lived in California, guys, back when I was a young young man. A youngling. Oh, man. I, indie films were my thing in California, and everyone knew that about me. Because I, I, I lived right down the road from this indie cinema in Newport Beach. Yeah. Um, I hung out with a bunch of filmmakers. And oh, so it was cool. like, you know, like indie was my thing. And I Heart Huckabee came out. And oh. I could have sworn it's him yeah. with Matt, um, not Matt Damon, um, Mark Wahlberg. Yes. And yeah. me and this dude, I used to hang out with this guy named Big D. He was a Texan, this blonde-haired guy. We just were we were misfits, the two of us. Like, we were just always getting in trouble together. But we always were kind of... I was always the Jason Schwartzman to his mm. Mark Wahlberg. That's a very you film as well, actually. It is. It yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, we can do that on another day. Yeah. I don't know if I'd add it to my top five, but it is... It's reason, an interesting one to the, analyze. The reason it still sits in my collection. So I've had... Most of my collections have been stolen or reappropriated or, you know, over the left years, or, they left. go, yeah. they go. Because I traveled so much. And so... That film, though, I refuse to get rid of mm. because it was like I Heart Huckabee is just very me. Yeah, yeah um, we sure. will do a podcast on that one because yeah, I'd, I'd have a lot to say about the yeah. background to it. But he's awesome as well. Yeah, he's and he plays and in this one. He he just does it. He just if I was going to pick a Gideon, that's who it have yeah. to be because you need indie, right? Because he's the best indie producer. Yeah. So I can't use like a Tony Matola, right. and I can't come in and use someone that looks really glitzed because it just wouldn't work. I need someone who looks really nerdy yeah. but then also looks like he's made it and he just he nails it he nails it yeah. you know it's just that perfect kind of condescending tone about all the hipsters <laughs> you hang out with. like I listened to that band before yeah. you did it's like hey buddy I didn't uh, that's bad and about... he says it just like me yeah. people hate when I call him buddy yeah. and he does the buddy thing all the time oh buddy yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Aubrey Plaza who is just I am desperately in love with her which one's that? Uh, she Are is the one getting... with glasses. Jody. That keeps yelling. Jody. Scott, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott, you're up. Yeah. How are you doing that with your mouth? <laughs> um, so, yeah, and it's 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 fascinating to see that clearly very young cast at the time and where they've Where they've gone now. Gone yeah. now. You know? Yeah, 10 years. I mean, that's they're all around our age. So this is maybe yeah. another reason why we really love them is because... This is like the guys in our generation, you know what I mean? Oh, and I forgot, of course, Brie Larson, who won an Oscar. Brie Larson yeah. paying Envy. Yeah. Um, wow. From Clash at Demon Head. Wow. <laughs> like, I can't. Which, by the I way, can't. I know we'll discuss it, but goddamn, the music in this is phenomenal. Okay, and the interesting thing about the music, just to say it up front, I just drove over to Eddie's listening to... I, I, I've listened to this CD so many times, my daughter sings... Envy's music. Okay. She knows Black Sheep. She knows uh, It's Getting Boring by the Sea. It's part of the reason I was turned on to this film mm. because my brother-in-law, I love these long stories I tell you because you're just Go like, man, it. it goes nowhere with this stuff. <laughs> my brother-in-law took me to Leeds Festival years ago and we saw Blood Red Shoes, which mm. is one of the bands on the soundtrack. Mm. It's actually one of the lesser known ones. So in between the band playing and Envy playing, the music you hear at the bar, mm -hmm. that's Blood Red Shoes. They're from Brighton and they're saying they're singing It's Getting Boring by the Sea. Right, one of right, my right. favorite songs because oh, it's all cool. about growing up in a seaside town and how dipshit it is. Mm. Like, it just there's nothing ever to do. Right, but right. that's where you grew up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but the soundtrack, when you listen to it on its own, it, it just doesn't, it's just like the Baby Driver soundtrack. It doesn't, 
work as well as it does in the film. Interesting. So I love the songs, but That's it's I, and I'm not a person that normally skips around on a CD at all. Like mm. I'm firmly against that. It's just you know if Listen you knew anything about album. me, yeah. like that just goes against my kind of meisms. <laughs> you know, they, they, it must be listened to all the way. So don't don't cut out the good parts, you know. So it's yeah, he's laughing because he knows me. Like this is why I'm a producer because I'm anal retentive about everything. But on the Scott Pilgrim one, like I jump around because mm. I'm just like, oh man, that song's really slow and I don't want to listen to that right now. Mm. When you see in the film though, it just, it's completely different. Yeah, yeah, like it yeah, yeah. fits, and yeah. we'll talk about that. So cool. All right. So other cast and crew. Yeah, Brie Larson. What did she win the Oscar for? She won it for The Room. Okay. Uh, where she played some a, a girl who'd been kidnapped when she was very young. Yeah, yeah. And like put into like a, a room, kept as a prisoner, basically. Kind of an old boy style thing. Kind of, and she has a she has a child. And oh God! Like it so is. It's, so it's like recreating inc- yeah. some of those creepy things that happened. Yeah, one of the, some of those stories that occasionally Germany, come out. Sweden, Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, it was Cleveland. It wasn't my hometown. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, she's phenomenal, and you know, uh, a lot of a lot of the films that she worked on um, after this uh, were indie gems, and just really, really. Yeah, good. I mean, that's another cool thing about this film, right? Is just it has an entirely. It's not an indie film. How much was the budget on this? I think it was like. 50, it was 60 million. Yeah, okay. Because, like, because I desperately yeah, want to like, make this film. Cheap. But, like, because it feels so indie, but it's not. Because it costs 60 million to make. Mm-hmm. Universal is all over this film. And, uh, yeah. And it Which allowed them to get away with an awful lot. And I wonder, you know, the 60 million, I bet you, because it's Edgar Wright, he probably spent like 20 on shooting it and then 40 on all the references and all the licensing. I just thought in my head, how much did you have to pay for this? It didn't do well at the box office, though. So how much did it gross at the box? 48 million. I can totally picture that. Really? To me, it's a crime. It is a crime. This should have been... This should have been Stranger Things level of popular. But remember what you told me last... What did you tell me last night, Mr. Edward? Just that it was ahead of his time. Exactly. Yeah. So it was. When it came out in 2010... It, as I said, once it hit the DVD circuit, I'm sure this is an instant cult yeah. classic. Yeah. Because there are people like myself um, that will just watch this any time of day. And I'm like that. And I can, no one has a bad thing to say about this film. I know. But but think, again, this is the benefit. This is why, I, I don't know if you know this, listeners, but I go to the Cineplex once a week. I cost me a good chunk of my change to get that pass. But I said, if I'm a producer... I need to see what's in the film. And I generally tend to see, you know, that's why I went to see Birds of Prey because I wondered why it was on the fence. And I'm telling you firmly, it shouldn't be on the fence. Go see Birds of Prey. It's not an amazing story, okay? It's, it's, It's up there with Suicide Squad with the ability to kind of go all over the place. Mm. But having just watched Scott Pilgrim mm. and watched Birds of Prey like the week before, that was yeah. my film for this week, yeah. there's so many parallels in the way the storytelling's done. Interesting. And I found it entertaining. Mm. I mean, it's it's one of those things that like, I, when I listen to podcasts, because I listen to podcasts about these things to see how other people react and people are like, well, the story doesn't match and it's mm. all over the place. Mm. And I, I was perfectly able to throw that away mm. because in the last 20, 30 minutes, the Birds of Prey finally come together and the right. whole story kind of comes together and it's amazing and it's fun. And for the first, you know, hour and a half before that, meh, it was cool. It okay. was all right. Well, all I would say is one person I listened to said, oh, we could cut a half hour out of the film. That's the only thing I would say. Scott Pilgrim, two hours. Birds of Prey was two hours. Mm. Like, it's tough. I don't see where the break would be in Scott Pilgrim. I don't either. Like, it, 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 it's so efficient. 
mm. with its with its screen time. The only thing I could think of is there's a lot of like in the courtship, which this is one of the few films I believe the courtship is done properly mm. because in film you generally have to truncate that, and then it makes you think. Well, wait a second. Why is right. this person? They, I said it was right. my biggest, my biggest qualm with Twilight was like, why are these two so much in love? Like, yeah. I know it's pheromones, but trust me, I was a teenager once, and I was <laughs> madly in love with the girl I was with at the time. And that's that takes time. Like, that mm. doesn't happen in mm. a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I didn't know if they could have cut back maybe some of that, but then I was like, well, then you won't understand why he's so obsessed with the Ramon arc, all the time. The arc that Scott goes on is massive. I mean, his journey. From the beginning to the end, yes, yeah. is, is huge, and that's what I mean. Like it's it's the problem that you would look at a story like this, and I would be really, as a producer, I would have a really hard time because I I would see the runtime and be like, it's too long, because mm. I, I that that definitely shows the box office. People don't like two hour films like that, yeah. especially a film like this that is kinetic, yeah, kinetic yeah, yeah. film. So producing mind right here when you're making a film like this, right, like that has all the action and the punching, like mm. the Matrix gets away with it because it's slightly sci fi, but mm. in general, you want them in and out. Yeah, because yeah. they're going to realize that they've been sitting too long if if you if you just so it's just people get tired of it you think I think so and and it's like 90 minutes is still the optimal runtime we went through that period where everybody was breaking that and making yeah, the 2 yeah. hour films and it just started getting tedious yeah this i'm not sure it would have been tedious in the cinema but you definitely will have a few people being like oh man like Interesting. This, this is really going on yeah yeah same thing with horror movies like i just don't think horror movies of 2 hours in length you know Hereditary being the best example of that. Heredi- Hereditary people were asleep by the big punchline at the end, and it's like worth it. Uh yeah, you're a Catholic, right? Yeah. So I think if you can get into that type of horror, mm. you just have to like, you know, just be prepared to wait. It's a slow burn. Uh, I, if I'm Mids- in the right mood, Midsummer's better. So Midsummer. I haven't seen oh, yeah, Midsummer, yeah. but the pacing. Mm. Now they have like a two-hour version or like a three-hour version of Midsummer that is supposed to be Jesus. the best. Really. Um, because he's still really slow with his pacing. Yeah, you often find, don't you, it's interesting that, you know, the, the, the cut that the director wanted is always, like, the longer one. Yeah, of course. I mean? Of course. Ruined, ruined, like, well, I didn't ruin, but it, it, it definitely made it difficult on one of the shorts we worked on, because we true. couldn't get the cut down well yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the producer's job, and, and that's part of the reason we exist the way we do. You know, the, the new thing I've written, Eddie took a big gasp of air when I said, I'm producing it, you're directing it, and he was like, what? Because it is my baby. I created it and everything like that. But I've got to trust Ed to see the vision on it. And just so I can cut him down later and say, actually, we'll do this quicker. <laughs> it's my story. <laughs> but this is the problem. And, and and we've talked about that before. I was listening to, to us talk about this in Life of Brian. But that's why when I write, like I have to have a completely different mindset. Because mm. if I write like a producer. Right, yeah, where you separate the whole Oh, man, it'll be the shortest writer. thing you've ever read. It'll be missing things. Right, it'll be right, missing right, some right. of the depth and some of the interesting bits about it. It must be hard, though. It can't be easy to, to like, mid-sentence you're writing something. And then you realize, wait, this is going to cost a lot of money. Well, you know, I, 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 you know, filmmaking is teaching me that I'm probably actually quite schizophrenic in the old sense. Like, the multiple <laughs> personalities, like... yeah. Producer mode is one thing. Producer Split. mode, is, yeah, no. Pro, well, producer is very much what I'm like at work. You know what I mean? You see me at my job, and 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 I I'm a job done kind of guy. That's why I, I do what I do. Like as a producer, yeah, we'll get it done. It doesn't matter what it takes. It doesn't matter how much time it does. But we're gonna get it done. It's gonna look good. Writing is a completely different thing. Mm. Writing is like I'm on this crazy head trip mm. half the time. You know, sometimes I'm half cocked. I'll be honest. 
and like I've got to go with it, and I don't care where it goes. Right. Like it's all about me being free and me doing what I want, yeah. and I don't have to. That's why I write at twelve o'clock at night when my entire family's asleep, because that's a, you know I'll go outside, listen to some dad music, jam out, and be like, yeah, I'm ready. Get in, keep the music on, and I'm just typing furiously for a couple hours. Mm. So it's four in the morning. My wife wakes up and says, what are you doing still up? And I'm like, oh, crap. i got to go to sleep now. <laughs> but that's a completely different experience. Yeah. It's free. It's liberating. And that's part of the reason that I like it. Because mm-hmm. it's something completely different from... from I normal. think it's it's uh, it's good for you as well. I think it's the kind of thing that kind of settles your mind. You're able to kind of get it all out. Yes. Yeah, so if you're listening to the podcast, I think Eric is one of the guys who listens to this thing constantly. Shout out to Eric. That's right. Thank you, dude. We love you. But obviously you realize by now that how high energy I am all the time. And you probably wonder how Eddie puts up with it. Um, or my wife, for that matter. No Because I'm, I'm, no I'm, I'm nearly like this, I would say, 99% of the time. But when I need to curve my brain, that's when writing comes out. Because it, it'll help me slow everything down. So that I can think and be methodical. And it's just, you're right. It absolutely helps a person like me who has these fits of manic mm. and just needs to calm down and kind of see things. So that's why I'm still apologizing to Eddie for the Matrix podcast. God, I listened to that and was like, oh man. But I think it's I think it's a very healthy thing. You know, I think that artistic expression and being able to somehow get out of your head, whether it's painting or writing or... Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, I think it's 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 important, and a lot of people unfortunately don't have an outlet, or they believe they can't. No, you know, not 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 crapping on my day job because it pays the bills. It's not a bad job, and you know, I'm not going to say what I do, guys. But I do work with a sheer amount of people that like just blinders on all day. Remember, I'm a I'm a white collar guy works in the city, and like the worst thing I think, and I've just always been different from that. I'm not. This isn't me having changed my life recently, like. I've always been a bit of a thorn in the side of, of the people I work for because I just don't buy into that being the rest of my life. Like, mm. I think it's a great job. Mm. And I will probably stay at the company I'm at for, you know, a long time, to be honest, because that's what it is. But when I think of life's ambitions, yeah. it just doesn't have anything to do with my job. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm there to get, you know, to get done what needs to get done. I like the fact I'm good at it, but... Mm that's when I go home to see my family or, or work on a film or something like that. Like that's what I want to do with my legacy. All right, but going back to we uh, say synopsis. Yeah, is there any more actors, actresses, so or the only that we should thing mention? that uh, we should probably mention is that it's based on a comic book by Brian Lee O'Malley. Have you read the comic book? No, and 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 yeah, read. that's a it's another good discussion point, and I'm going to try to keep things short because we've got so much to cover. But the one thing that dawned on me last night is. Because I was watching this saying, I would like, a lot of times this is just like me. I like, anytime I see something cool, I want to do it myself. Mm. And I'm like, I want to make this film. Like, but then I was really nervous because the first thing that dawned on me is I could not understand how he could create that world. Because I'm like, man, there's just so many elements to this. When he puts up, because we're going to talk about the visuals, but the visuals are so on point yeah. along with the songs. And I'm like, how would you even get started with thinking about how this is all going to work? And then I was like, oh, wait. So this is going to come with another piece of advice, something that I haven't been following lately, but it prompted me to think about this. Now, it comes from a, a comic book, so he's created all this from the comic books. We're hailed as amazing, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, they are very, very well regarded. So producer, filmmaker, top tip, and something I haven't been doing. I've been listening to podcasts lately. Mm. Read a book instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I and I had to remind myself of this because, like, that content is gold. When yeah. you can find that story that you can build off of. Now, you still have to get the rights, and that's another thing that adds to the $60 million, But you are still able to make spec scripts on stuff. Mm. 
you just have to talk about, you know, it's even better if you get the rights. So if it's a small book and you know the author or anything like that, then you definitely want to option that as quickly as possible because the price tag goes up immensely mm. as things get more popular. It's interesting, actually, because the I, I did read that the... Uh, so there's six volumes in the comic book. That's right. And after the first one was released... Uh, people were already talking about making that's right. a film out of it. That's right. It was just, it was time of the, you know, was, uh, the era was perfect for it. Mm. This was the same day, same years that the Walking Dead comic book was taking up steam because right. that was, um, that was similarly independently published. Yeah, just yeah, like yeah. Scott Pilgrim, not on Marvel or DC or one of the major labels. Right. So I never read them. I had the video game because they made a video game based on the comic book. Oh, really? Um, which came out after the movie because it has knives and everything in there. But it's a, a, a it's basically made to look like River City Ransom, which... Okay. We'll have to. That'll be kind of our final bit. We'll be talking about all the video game references. Because <laughs> I mean, that's where you're going to be on your own a little bit. Exactly, but. and that's where you're just going to have to cut me off at some point because <laughs> yeah. obviously this is a love letter to those I'll of us that, that grew up on on the NES because <laughs> yeah. there are so many good references Man, from the very beginning. The Universal logo, you know, I mean, in the eight. Exactly, bits. exactly, and it's just things like that that, like, for me, that's when I was like, oh my god, this is my film because I was that kid. I mm. grew up. You know, my Nintendo is my most prized possession because even if I didn't have friends, I had video games. You know what I mean? Like, and the best part is this was also part of 2010 was the rise of the nerd. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is a movie for all you guys out there listening to my podcast. It was beat up or whatever when you were kids and no one liked nerds. Now we rule the world, man. That's very true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Box office films. We won. Exactly. We won big time. Yeah. So, ha ha. Ha so okay so brief synopsis of the plot because it's very easy okay scott pilgrim falls in love with ramona flowers while he's still dating knives Chaw, who is his high school girlfriend he um has to fight he breaks up with knives and then has to fight seven evil exes to get to ramona the last of the exes is actually a guy named gideon who wants to sign his band who has been desperately trying to become famous in Toronto at the time. There's a duel that ensues at the end. Scott wins. He wins the girl. And that's not the actual ending that Edgar Wright wanted. And we can talk about that if you oh, want. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. You want me to talk about it now? Uh, yeah, man. Go for it. So, this is all in the behind-the-scenes DVD features. And I haven't watched the commentaries or stuff like that, which I should. So mm. you can probably learn a lot from that. But I did watch the... I always watch the deleted and alternate ending stuff. So the alternate ending, the original ending to this film, mm-hmm. he walks off with knives, not with Ramona. Ooh. See, I, I remember the ending, and there's that moment where she's looking at him Exactly. With her... She's gone. She goes off. Yeah, she's like, I'm yeah, just going to yeah. get out of here. Yeah. You know why I think he did that? Go on. One of the pinnacles, awesome things about this film mm. is one of the wor- is the misnomer in the title. This is not just a film about Scott Pilgrim. Okay, this is a film about Ramona Flowers as Interesting. well. It's told from Scott's perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really, I don't know if you could have fixed that and kind of changed that. But notice how modern Edgar Wright is. It really made me happy. Two sisters, a daughter, a, a very independent wife, which Ed can attest to. Like. I'm all about women being who they are nowadays. And I love the fact that we're getting away from, you know, misogyny that I even have in this world, you know, because of the way I was raised. Mm-hmm. This tries to, but it's hampered a bit by the fact that Scott Pilgrim's perspective. 
tell you Ramona's perspective. Mm-hmm. She's not making excuses for who she is. Mm-hmm. She's not a damsel in distress. Yeah. I love that because yeah. the women I know in my life, that's what they're like. Yeah. You know, my wife is, is probably, a, a, you know, for me, an iteration. I love that word, right? Nice. An iteration of Ramona Flowers. Yeah, yeah. When she says things like, oh, or okay, like that's how my wife is with me. That's why it works because I'm a highly opinionated, hyper always emotional guy mm. and she just kind of gives this Levels flat response off. to yeah. stuff like okay <laughs> that the introduction where he's like he's telling the pac-man story exactly <laughs> that, that, oh god that was my first date with becky it was like oh my god i used to know incubus they were down the road from me when my buddy lived in, in malibu it was awesome it was like yeah i kind of like incubus too yeah and this one time and it, it, my wife just has this way of responding to me that's like yeah. yes that's it's, very i mean it's it's cute it's cute because it like you say, it's it's not the damsel in distress. It's not your typical romantic. No, she's got a massive, role. you know, sledgehammer through some of this. She's, mm. you know, the only thing that really sucks is the whole like connection to Gideon. And then, you know, thankfully they're like, oh, that's just because she's got a robotic chip in her neck. Yeah, yeah, I, that that that's an element that I didn't remember from it having watched it before. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, it seemed a little convenient because it well, it has to because it curves her story because. Mm. Again, getting back to this ending bit, and we'll tangent on this for just another couple minutes longer. She's walking away. Why? Because she's been through, that would have been her eighth ex. Mm-hmm. And like I think from her perspective, and I'm not a woman, but mm-hmm. I'm just trying to see the female perspective on this. Yeah. I think for her, she just wants to move on with her life and not mm-hmm. have this constant tie mm-hmm. to a guy. Like right, She doesn't want to be defined by these exes. So that's why at the end, she's like... I'm going. Right. Like, you're a totally cool guy. You were the <sighs> nicest guy yeah, ever did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, having been through those awful breakups, that's part of the reason I, I love strong women like that. <laughs> mm. Some of them have dumped me in the past. You know, that's what it is. It's like, it's not you, it's me. But, mm. you know, a woman has to say that at some point because for Ramona, what's the best outcome? It's getting out of there. It's doing something new because she just wants not to be carried around by these eight X's now that have totally just defined her life up right. until that point. That's, that's interesting. That and makes so, the ending so much more. Exactly. Because I couldn't understand it at first. I had the normal reaction, which everybody else had, and why they changed the ending, which was, no, he's, he's supposed, he's to, supposed be with, to be with Ramona. But that's, yeah, that's yeah. like deep-seated, and, and this is, I am not a feminist, so this is not me trying to be I am a feminist. Okay, well, that's misogyny on our part, because we're mm. saying that's, because yeah, yeah. that's what's best for Scott. Right. But think about what's best for Ramona, and I was right, like, oh right, no, right. like, this isn't what's best for Ramona. Like, yeah, yeah. what's best for her is she gets to do what she wants to do, and finally moves on. Mm. And then you get back to it, and actually, the entire movie, they've been pointing out, what a good match, Knives Chow and and Scott are and mm. it's like it's coming back to that like you know what it really should be yeah you know, I really like Knives I mean she's like you kind of root for her a little bit and you feel so kind of she's been in a couple of things like I just saw her in something else recently I can't think of what it was but she's the actress a, yeah yeah she's very talented and she was in something similar just recently uh-huh. I don't want to I don't know if it was Birds of Prey I don't think she was in Birds of Prey at any rate, so yeah, the original ending, while Ed looks this up, I'll just explain. The original ending was, was you know, Ramona walks off into that door, and she doesn't take Scott with him. And just like in Dodgeball, so if you don't know about the Dodgeball ending, the original ending in Dodgeball was that everybody loses. And so, okay. you know, it was average Joes, right? They're going to lose to the, the hyper, you know, Ben Stiller was just like, that was the obvious ending, because they are definitely not as fit as... Um, as this, like, Globo Jim or whatever. Right. But people were so offended that Globo Jim wins at the end that he had to change the ending. So, the same thing, thing here. The only thing that I can really see her in was she was in Glow, 
which is the um, the the ladies wrestling show on Netflix. I'm not. So so yeah. So the actual ending is that he walks off Ramona, and they mm-hmm. walk through the Mario door, which is from Super Mario sixty four, mm-hmm. and then they walk off into nothingness. And supposedly, there's a sequel on the, on the way. Really? There was talks of one right after it got made. And then obviously it didn't gross enough. Now it makes sense to me why they didn't make it, because it only made 40 at the box office. They're mm. like, well, there's no point in us putting up another film that's going to have a 20 million loss. Yeah. Um, and that's just how it works, folks. That's life in the yeah. NFL. You know, life in the movie world. I mean, that's... And that's fine. You're going to have to deal with that as a, as a filmmaker, successes and failures. It's just like being a, a, an athlete. It's like being anything else. Like... The best thing I could say is what I learned as an athlete is don't ever just focus on your wins. Right. If you, but if it you, is just disappointing that something this good gets overlooked. Yeah, I think so. But I think it's how it happens. You know mm. what I mean? Because 2010 comes around, this doesn't pull the numbers, and it goes into the ether. Because, mm. as I said, I hadn't even seen this film when it came out. I, I saw right, it... Right. I think I got it in 2014 for my birthday was yeah. when I got it. Yeah. So it was years later. I mean, I saw... I, because I was such an Edgar Wright aficionado, I, I saw it at the theater. And I loved it. Yeah. I, I'd see anyone who saw it in the theater, I knew would love this. And it was definitely a precursor to Baby Driver. Like, Baby yes. this explains so much of why Baby Driver is so good. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. So, we've given you the brief synopsis. Now we'll move into the gradings, just because we can talk about some of the best parts of this film in a lot more detail. Mm-hmm. Again, remember, it's big budget, so we're going to be able to give you less indicated advice on this. But there are still things to remember with this. Again, the first bit of advice, which I'm going to repeat now, read a book, okay? Read a book, read a comic book. Your source material doesn't have to be your own. Trust me, I'm a guy who spends all night writing when I can. This is helping because it gives me other things I don't have to write but that I really enjoy. So please, like, don't think you always have to publish your own material. Find other things you like and adapt it. We talked about that in our blog posts on the, on the website. Yeah, I mean, it's... Like like was mentioned in in the blog, it's it's hard, but I think everyone needs to have because there's there's so much material out there, right? That's right. There's so much good stuff out there that if you find that gem, that you feel you have the right voice to translate. That's right. So it's it's all about. It's not even voice. That's the interesting thing. What I love about filming is the eye. Can you see the film in I your know. mind's eye? Okay. And and no no no. Well, I wasn't just the. Yeah, I wasn't tutting you on that. I was really merely pointing out that you've got the right. That's completely the right idea. Like, and and I just think so many people don't look at it that way, and they're like, "Oh, I can never adapt this book." Like, if you read the book and in your head you're like, "I would do it this way," mm. then do it. Write yeah. it down. Like, I mean, I think this is a very good example of the right director for the source material. What's well, interesting you say that because at the same week that I'm watching this, I have just finished Ant-Man, which I will have a blog post on. I'm Ooh. trying to do on everything I watch now. I'll try to give you a blog post on my views on that. And some of them will be dr- dreadful, I'm sure, but other ones might be interesting. And Ant-Man, obviously I'm going to be talking about Edgar Wright and the film because when I watched it, Ed said to me, I want you to just try to see if you can find his parts into it. Mm. And then I then I did a deep dive into the production. I, you know, Wikipedia and everything else, finding out how many how many times this has been kind of redone, mm-hmm. um, understanding exactly where I think the the rub was. Mm. So just to explain that Ant Man, which I'll talk about in the blog, I don't think Disney on this one ever was trying to say to Edgar Wright they didn't like his film. Yeah. However, they watched it quite a few times um, and just realized it wasn't ever going to fit into the MCU. Right. And if you watch like I'm watching all the MCU stuff. 
you have to get you set. It's like, you know, Ed showed me this YouTube video on Star Wars and talking about how Disney owns Star Wars now, so they dictate the plot. It's very much like that with the MCU. Like, they own it. They've got to make it sellable, so the producers kind of own that story. And boy, have they done a good job of it. Yeah. You know? It's not I mean? like you could turn around and say, but the way you're doing it isn't, you know, it's not working out. But but that's what I'm saying. Even if you do, which some people have done with Star Wars, it's like, listen, yeah. like they have considerations that go far outside the art it goes inside of money it goes inside of how do we establish this as a legacy business Mm. like these are the things and so kevin feige looked at this and it's really i was really charmed because then you see the director they did pick and you realize why they picked him because yeah and i can't remember his name now scott derrickson no no he's he's a tv guy and he's really like he's been in a bunch of behind the scenes stuff and he's really laid back is the thing like he's very okay yes we'll do it that way he's very complimentary to everyone like not saying Edgar Wright's not this way at all, but he 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 doesn't have that edge that Edgar Wright has of saying this is how I want to make my film. Yeah. So that being said, that is why I just think you Peyton know, Reed. Peyton Reed, that was it. Very, it's a wonderful chap. And um, I'm I'm actually really excited to uh, to read that blog post. Yeah, and I'll, as I said, I'll go into more detail. Ant Man is is one of uh, from again because of the type of person I am. Ant Man is probably like one of my favorites. You it's know? really good. Thor it's Thor really good. Thor was kind of the original one because I love just the the overacting by mm. by Thor in that. I just find it really fun. Mm. Um, you know, Iron Man has elements of things, but I always thought, nah, I'm not, not really a huge Iron Man fan, but. Ant-Man I watched, and, and part of it's because half of what he does, he does just so he can see his daughter again. Yeah, I mean, and anytime that, you have a daddy-daughter yeah. thing, I go mental, because if you that's know me, like, the nail on I love my daughter like more than anything in this world. Yeah. And so, so yeah, we'll get the blog post for that done. But we're going to go through now the gradings, so I don't spend four hours on, on yep. the podcast. We're doing it uh, American High School style, A through F, A plus for the best, F for those that aren't so good, and E is not used. I never knew why, but it just isn't. So, moving on to the visuals, and we're going to start with Ed so I can get visuals. quiet. Visuals. Okay. Uh, I mean, this is hands down one of the most dynamic visual films uh, that I've ever seen. Mm. Uh, in terms of its ingenuity of mixing um, practical effects with CGI. Um, I don't know if you notice, but uh, whenever they're in a fight scene, um, they covered the actors in dust. So that every time they connected, it was like a little poof of dust. No, and this is why I so should have watched this with you. We're going to watch it again. <laughs> we should. You can tell me about all this. Um, just that made it feel so much heavier. It has elements of, of, you know, the Hong Kong kind of Kung Fu stuff. And, you know, just like I remember you were talking about this. Um, wide shots, you know, like action in wide shots. Wide shots, but I mean, and I wanted to ask you about this because wide shots, but he fills the screen. The wide shots were like one of my favorite, we'll talk about favorite scenes, but one of my favorite kind of sequences is mm-hmm. the stalking of Ramona. <laughs> yes. And so because we get a really, really kind yeah. of chill, cool song on, but then he uses these wide shots mm-hmm. and he puts writing on them. Yeah. And I just, how do you even do that, Ed? Is that CGI then onto um, the scene? Or yeah, it's... Uh, do you green screen it first? No. Um, so you can do a couple of things. Rotoscoping is the kind of the most time-consuming of it. But essentially you can put... So, for example, the moment where he like steps to Ramona, right? Yes. There's writing on the wall. And then the writing just kind of decreases and he covers as he does it. it. Yeah, That's as right. he covers it, it kind of wipes away. And what they're doing is they're going in frame by frame, 
this is what this is what we did on that music video when we and did the backgrounds, right? Moving, yeah, that's what Nick did, and moving the 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 writing so that every single frame, it's being wiped away, um, and it's not a hard technique, but it's just cool. And I think that's how I would describe everything that he does here. Mm. When it comes to the multi-screen edits, you know, when uh, it's like comic panels, you know, it looks like comic panels. Yeah, so he recreates that very well. Again, the writing and everything helps with that. Yeah. But, and that was another reason I said, how is he doing this so well? And I was like, oh, because he's working off a comic book. Yes. So he's just the music. Yeah. And so the music in this, and we'll talk about that in the music section, is all from like the Toronto, hmm. it, it, some of it's obviously there's that band from Brighton, but hmm. he's, he's obsessed with Toronto music scene hmm. in this. Yeah. Uh, but see, one of the very interesting things is that, and this goes through the translation of one medium to another, a comic book panel is a static image. Right? Yes. Uh, but you'll often have like lines that suggest movement. That's right. So a lot of them you can see it now when you download like the visual comics. So these are ones like yes. you can watch on your PS4. Yeah. And it's still a comic book, but it's going to have like animated panels right. as you're moving along. So the best example that I found in this film was when both Knives and Ramona show up to their performance. Okay. And. Like, you know, um, his roommate's there, like, his sister's there, and you get these, like, it's on uh, the roommate, and he is looking one way, he turns his head, and it zooms out, and there you see Scott, right? That kind of... This next song's going out to the guy sitting up at the bar, he keeps cycling, it's called We Hate You, Please Die. <laughs> but that kind of, um, kind of visual vocabulary is a step above what is in the comic book. But that's right, because there's a lot... And this is, the, this is the thing, like, any other movie, some of this stuff just wouldn't work. The black screen, like, there's a lot of moments. And the only other time I've seen it work so well was in Scarlett Johansson in which the Alien film. What was that called? Oh, yes, Under it. the Skin. I don't or... hate it, guys, because it's bad. I hate it because I can't watch it. Like, yeah, it yeah. just makes me... I've watched it once. I don't there's want to watch it there's again. A, yeah, there's a, couple, a there's a couple of really awful scenes, and mm. I just, like, they sit with me. I'm a mm. person that doesn't forget things. But the black screen, like that, there's tons of that. There's, yeah. like, showing them in isolation, and mm. I just was like, God, any other film, this wouldn't work, but he just wants to show these two characters together all of a mm. sudden. And I think it, it, it's interesting. Uh, I then decided that I wanted to go and watch all his music videos. Which, and, yeah, which, which I, I shared watched. with you. Yeah, yeah, I just watched it while I was cleaning my kitchen. And um, it's, it's funny. And you say, yeah, we should do music videos. We should. Because it's a place to experiment. Well, And it's a place to try things out. And you can see in a lot of his music videos yes. the things that he so, would then yeah, go the on to do. Yeah, the first one comes on and I don't know any of these bands. That was the other thing. I was yeah, like, it's very... Uh, I have not lived in England. Very before. indie. Yeah, I yeah. saw which were, they were good. I mean, Beck though as well. Well, he, Beck, the Beck's the one I do know. Beck yeah. was always one of my favorite Beck guys. and also... Um, uh, Pharrell. Pharrell with the uh, French... Yeah, for... for uh, wind, wind it was called. Gust of Wind Gust or something wind. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was really good. It was. Beautiful music video. Not their best song, but... No, and it's that's the thing. Like... Just told Eddie, like, because we 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 did a music video uh, about two years ago. Um, I wanted to do more, but Eddie just 
didn't have the greatest experience. I on had it. a very bad experience on it, so, so I've been put and, off. And, it. and he did, and he did drive that one. That was one of my first kind of coming on. That was when I was like the runner, and man, Eddie loves having me as a runner because a I never shut up, b I will get anything anyone asks, and yeah, we just had a fun time with that. So visuals for you are what grade then? A plus. Okay, and I would give them an A plus too, and I won't really say a whole lot more because I think Eddie's encapsulated what we're talking about. This is a very unique film as well. And that's where I like what he said, experimentation. Don't watch this film and say, I have to make this film. I'm making the mistake of doing it myself. Mm. Watch it and be inspired. And be like, yes. this, because nothing that happens in this film is like you would see in any other film. No. And it's so a, it's a very... And, and because, because it's a translation of a comic book, it's hard to say that it's a unique vision. But at the same time, it's a unique adaptation of this comic book. Mm. And I think that that takes it to another level. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And it's it's the kind of thing, it's, and it's like, well, why hasn't someone done this within the comic book? But it wouldn't work without all the elements. That's, I guess, what really got me about this film is all the things in isolation would make for an absolutely shit film. If you had these yeah. comic book kind of things going on, but not the style. Yeah. You'd be like, the man, music, this is the editing, dumb. the special effects. That's what I mean. Like it all comes together so wonderfully. It, yeah. Again, it's it's a true testament to to and, and this isn't just because we love you, Edgar Wright, but please come on our podcast. But it is well, a testament it, testament to his directing directing prowess. Yeah. Like I just again, Shaun of the Dead I really liked, but yeah. I was like, that was indie and it was how he got his name. Like yeah. love to make a film like that where I make it low budget. Yeah gets bought by somebody and then boom yeah. you know Baby Driver loved that film when I saw it with yeah. you thought it was a great action flick and done very well and yeah. only he could really do it to music that way mm-hmm. but Scott Pilgrim really is only he could make that film I like, think it's I, I think I said this during the show but this is probably peak Edgar Wright yeah I just it, it hits every single note the whole time yeah like yeah. there's not a moment in this film that I was like like when you talk about worst scene with me I'm gonna be like uh yeah, it's, I'll, pay, I'll pick it's something a hard one. but it's hard yeah so visuals are an A plus then we get into story um do you want me to talk about story uh yeah go for it so story's gonna get an A from me that's pretty obvious I might given the fact that they switched the ending I would probably give it an A minus because I find mm. the original ending not satisfactory to me like I still wanted him with Ramona Flowers that's me I'm a hopeless romantic yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but like I understand why he did that. So he stays an A because he did the production thing and said, no, 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 no. He's widening the audience. And that's the only other thing you have to understand with story. So this is an indie film, kind of, even though it wasn't made with an indie budget. And it has a limited audience that would love just the bare bones of it. So you're either going to have people that love indie music. You're going to have people that love video games. Mm. You're going to have a young crowd that's cool with this. You need to expand it out so people maybe that don't listen to indie music like this and Mm -hmm. people that don't like video games Mm -hmm. like this and I think that's where the story really shines by putting all the action elements needed you know if you don't like any of the things we're talking about this has seven really great (sighs) fights in it like some of the best fight scenes exactly right so that's what I loved about this is like it has a little bit for everybody it's certainly not one I like sit my mom in front of and say like you're gonna love this film but it's certainly anyone under the age of like 40 I could say watch this film there's gonna be at least one thing in here you find interesting it hits the nostalgia note really well it does it's definitely younger this is a film that my wife like is not as keen on she liked Baby Driver but this one she's always a bit like it's a bit too romantic-y for me. And I'm like, I get you. Like, yeah, I could see that. It's all about like the forlorn love. I kind of like that, though. In oh, it's I, like I'm... action, you know, it's, it's action film together with like romance. Yeah, I mean, that's where I'm like desperate to make this film. Mm. Because it's like combining my two favorite things. Right. Like 
hopeless romanticism in kung fu action i was like oh man like somebody must have been like edgar wright you stole one of my dreams or something in the night you know like he's incepting us yeah so so you know um so yeah story gets a a solid a for me how about you eddie i'm gonna go b plus okay and the reason i'm gonna go b plus is because although i think the story is quite simple in its uh you know boy falls in love with a girl okay. tries to win her over okay um but i would have given it an a like five minutes ago but the ending that you just described to me elevates it so much like i think about it then like, it becomes oh, right the story yes. of two two young people trying to figure out their lives it changes everything that's right and this is my and hopefully only... you really appreciate that Edgar because yeah. like you know what I mean like but this is my only place where I will I will disagree with you a little bit that's fine um, it's not always the best thing to listen to other people hear him stamping his foot <laughs> sometimes you have to stick by your guns and you know sometimes you lose which is you know Ant-Man is a good example of Edgar saying, "Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not going to change it." Uh, you know, but, but we have love for directors. I mean, that, that's that's you know the other yeah. one that's like this, Guillermo del Toro. You know, Guillermo does what he wants to do, right? You know, and I would say, yeah. I mean, I'm not that kind of filmmaker. God, I'd love to be, but uh, you know, I can't do that. But if I was, like, mm. if I start making money in Hollywood someday, like, that's exactly how I'll be. Yeah. Because if you're not doing it for you guys, like, that's the thing. Um, a lot of films are you know written by committee. In Hollywood, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it becomes a, a, too many voices, too many chefs. Situation. No, we we all know the example. So that you know, the most recent one that comes to mind is the kiss in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. It was completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another movie we were talking about with a kiss that didn't need to be. Oh, the kiss in the Matrix wasn't supposed oh, to yeah, be there. Yeah, there you go. So you know, these are the things that. And again, it's it's when I put my producer hat on. It's the, we need to make money, people like these things. And it's true. Now, I know you think the idea of a committee writing a film is ridiculous, but the committee's going to be guys that have probably sold umpteen films a million times. And it's sad that a rom-com that follows the exact same formula mm. that we've seen seven billion times grosses more right. than 60 million in the box office, but it does. Right. Every single and I, and, time. And I understand that argument. I do feel, however, that... When you are as involved as a director gets with the story, mm. and a lot of producers as well, you know, like it becomes a, I don't know, it, it's it's easy to give notes from outside when you don't necessarily understand the whole oh, yeah. of the thing. But this, but this is the shift, right? So that's what you're saying. I mean, they, they still didn't make their gross on this. So. Yeah. In that moment, it wouldn't have mattered had I come in as producer and said, right. you're going to change that ending because no one's going to watch that. Right. But I tell you, I every single time I would have done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have every single time come in and said, we can't have the movie end this way. People will be upset with yeah. you. Yeah. Like, I get it completely. Yeah. And I, I, that's why I was so chuffed that I, because I didn't get it the first time. When yeah, the first time I watched this film mm. and watched the alternate scene, I'm like, well, good thing they Thank changed God. that. Yeah, Thank yeah, God yeah. they changed that. I would have been throwing something at the TV. Mm. It was only because we've been doing all these deep dives yeah, and yeah, now yeah. we're starting to get into what is the story about. And I started seeing just how modern Ramona was in it. Yeah. And I was like, wow. That like, would have been so, that would have elevated. right. Yeah. You are so on point. You are, he was 10 years ahead of his time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the modern woman now, not yeah. the modern woman 2010. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's just, yeah, 
sense. That's why, yeah. But I can, I hear the B plus. You know what I mean? It was also adapted from a comic book, so you know, what I mean, it's not entirely original material. True. So, true. You know, I, I always think that there's there's points in that though. If you can adapt something that well, um, then you know you're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, look at the ones that aren't adapted well. Yeah. So, um, and anyone thinks that it was difficult to adapt the Harry Potter books. Don't get me wrong, love those directors, but I was like, man, that's probably the easiest books I've ever seen. Yeah, some books... Uh, the only some... ones, you know, you start getting the later ones when she knew she could get people to read these 600-page books, right, and right, that right. would be the one you're like, oh, yeah. we're going to have to break that up. Did you ever watch uh, or read The Da Vinci Code? Uh, which one did I do first? I think I saw it first, then read the book. Mm, interesting. Hated, hated both. Hated both. Uh, completely understandable. I read the book when it was like the phenomenon in Spain. And, That's um, what really got me was the phenomenon part. Yeah, I it, mean it's it brought on, but it's it's written almost like a script. I mean, it's written almost like it a film. It is, and the problem. Let me just get into that a bit because that actually was the start of our current woes. If mm. I were to say this is when I get into my soapbox piece, um, that was the first time I can remember something come out that people were like figuring it out and thinking they were insanely clever. Mm, yeah. And sorry, being someone that is, you know, a self-assured genius, I'm like, guys, like a moron could figure out this mystery. Like this is not mm. complicated. Uh. But people were like, oh, but it's so amazing. And then did you know she was Mary Magdalene? Like, yes, the whole effing time we knew it was Mary Magdalene. Well, we can't all be as smart as well, it's not that, though. That's what I mean. I have to sit in rooms all day, not just at work, but just in life in general. It's full of people that argue with each other because we all want to be like, I was right first. And it's mm. like, it doesn't matter. Mm. It was a shit film. <laughs> it didn't matter that you knew. In other words, I guess the point that I'm making, because mm. I'm not very good at making a point, if you haven't figured that out from, what, 11, 12 podcasts, um, is that we accept a shit film because we're so excited that we figured the mystery at the end. And it's like... Oh man, what a horrible reason to like a film. Mm. It's it's completely, you know, tropes are mm. all over the place. Yeah. It's not that, you know, everything's really convenient, but no, because we know what happens at the end now, mm. it makes us feel it was like the sixth sense, you know, the sixth yeah. sense is one of those films that first time I watched it fine. Second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. I watched it so many times. <laughs> it was a date movie. Anyways. So story gets a B plus to Eddie. Then we move on to acting. Acting. Interesting. I'll let you start that one. I'm going to go A, um, because I think everyone is so good in this. Uh, again, Alison Pill, who is a fabulous actor, just has her deadpan. I say, you, you've mentioned her twice now, and I don't, I kind of remember her film, but I'm like, hmm. It's because I didn't remember that she was in it. This is, she. she's very chameleonic. Hi, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> Uh, if your soul had a face, I'd punch it. <laughs> Just all of those lines. She looks like one of my and, exes. That's the worst part. And, 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 and she's like, somebody's like, what about when you dated Kim? What? Me and Kim are fine. And it cuts down and it's like, <laughs> it zooms into her face. It's so funny. Uh, she's fantastic. And again, Michael Sarah, he played the doofus kind of, you know, character before. Here he's playing a very unlikable character, like genuinely no an, job, yeah, an asshole, like yeah, no real direction. Yeah, I don't know if he's an asshole. See, that's that's the thing. Like, isn't he? Like the way he treats knives is pretty outrageous. No, but it's okay. 
that's all right. Now, now you are getting on. Now, this is where he's way better about talking about women than I am. Okay, I take your point with that. Like misogyny aside, yes, he's horrible. He's horrible to her, but, but he's also so apathetic about everything. He's just apathetic. Yeah, yeah. and which we is, were at that age. I, I, and this is the thing. I think he captures that kind of um, that was us in Korea. Yeah, early twenties. Just don't care. Yeah, Garden State's the other film that does that really well and just encapsulates yeah. this. Everyone expects you to know what you want to do with your life. And God knows I that's how I ended up in Korea. I was supposed to be in law school, went to law school, dropped out, got a job somewhere else, quit doing that because I didn't want to do Like, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do in my early 20s. And I was tired of people thinking I should have it all figured out because I was so smart. It's like, I had no idea. And that's also... I haven't lived yet, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's also kind of the time when, you know, every relationship is a drama of some sort or another... No, that's, I mean, that's the thing, right? So, so many elements. So this, this film, like, you know, the rock stuff's more of what I did in high school because I wasn't as involved in music in college. Um, but the scene was totally college. That was college. Mm. College was like for me. All these parties you go to, you know, the same people, you find your guy, you talk to him. Oh, who's she dating? You know, like it was all. I love like it that. when he goes up to the guy in the party and he goes, you know who this girl is? And it's just like a but that's how it was. No, that's and he's so like, that's Ramona Flowers. That's also how it was, though. Like, I love elements like that because the scene was like that. Like, yeah. it was like when you hung out with people, like, everything was chill. And, like, mm. it just had that vibe. It had totally, totally, totally that vibe. And that's why, for me, it's an iconic film because, like, it just makes me think about the mm. old days. Korea was like that, though. Think yeah, about yeah, going yeah. to, like, you know... Uh, trying to think of some of the best you know moose's place or the frog yeah or um the one bar Itaewon. what was the best one though that that that's the the you know when you think of like quintessential scene hangout it was it's where i used to do the pub quizzes i can't think of the name not moon night no communes that's communes communes it was in a basement it was always filled with smoke and i mean this it was a dive grimy it was grimy as all hell but everybody was always there like at the end of the night that's where everybody ended up and you always were like hey man what's that up to um and that that was my scene the only difference in that scene is i shocked up with my wife you know pretty much in the first month i was in korea right. so i was never hunting around for like available girls right but i was one of the guys you'd come up to and say oh who's that girl with like, yeah, oh, yeah. he's talking to you yeah, yeah i just it, it it's it's interesting because i i wonder having had a lot of canadian friends like we both have had how like reflective it is of the toronto oh it's scene, supposed to i mean know? i don't know personally toronto is one of those cities that i should have gone to i live you know, probably what Chicago six hours away, Toronto would be five then from mm. where I live, mm. uh, where I grew up, at least in America. But I never really traveled there. Worked it's with a guy. Supposed from, to be. Yeah, it's, it's one of the greatest cities, right? And the music scene there, yeah. like from everything I've read in the background to this film, the music scene in Toronto is just like you hear it here. Yeah, like it's yeah. amazing. It has these indie artists, and it's all, you know, the, the thing that really struck me that, that reminded me of college is what we tried to do, like, one of my claims to fame in music when I had a studio, this is a long time ago, folks, mm -hmm. is I had a completely analog setup. So in the era of digital, I refused. So I had a four-track, then an eight-track. I had a sequencer that I built myself. Mm -hmm. These were all things that give a really dirty sound. Yeah, yeah. And the whole thing was to strip everything down. Mm. And I mean, that's why I was into punk rock because it was like as bare bones as you can make it sound. And the indie scene was all about that. Which is also another reason why I think didn't this wanna, film is very... Yeah, yeah you <laughs> didn't want to glass it up. The only yeah. time you see it glassed up was kind of the, the antithesis was some of the guys who I used to work with with dance music mm. are like the two... The, Kamenaga twins or Kor Koronaga twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so, DJs. Yeah, so they're supposed... They remind me a lot of when I saw Justice. I don't mm. know if you know that that band. It's mm. two French people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember if it's boys or girls. 
<laughs> whispering that. Two French people. I saw you a long way away, so I can't remember if you were men or women. But you know, they play that kind of music, yeah, and yeah. it's it's very like, oh my god, it's crazy. Like yeah. I saw it at the Leeds Festival as well. Interesting. So so yeah. So uh, we were talking about acting, and then yes. we horribly uh, We will like talk I about say, music in a minute. A for me. All right, acting for me actually gets an A plus because of that ability. This is why it's a video game movie as well, because you video games are all about skinny, nerdy guys like me mm. um, getting their chance mm-hmm. to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did go through a period where I was an actual fighter, so yeah. you know what I mean? I did take that to the next level when I could, but growing up, I just was getting right. the crap out of it. Yeah, it's the fantasy. I was skinny, whatever, and I didn't know how to fight with anything. But then you play Street Fighter, and I could rule on Street Fighter. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so they make... This guy, yeah. and he has to be Street Fighter. Yeah, and for yeah. me, like pulling that off in live action is so difficult because yeah. you have to make it look so serious. No, seriously, you have to make it look like, you know, oh my god, like when I hit you, it's gonna knock you across this yeah. planet. And the best part is he's doing this in between switching into his apathetic mode. So he goes from apathetic. One of my favorite moments of the fights is the fight with the the girl because. Yeah. He's like, I'm having a really bad day right now. And he's just so done. And he's like, I'm going home. You know, he probably wants a po- you know, Pop-Tart or something like that yeah. and fall asleep listening to some music or something like that. And instead, this girl's harassing him and it's the fourth evil ex. And he's like, but... And then he just switches and he's like, enough. And boom. And the look on his face, man, is like, booyah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's why the acting gets an A+. I mean, certainly... To in, take action, action characters. Yeah. It's certainly in terms of like, did they look good doing the fight scenes and stuff? Oh my god, did they look good? Only thing I will say that mm. I did notice, and it's only because I was looking for it, is mm. you can see the stunt doubles. Okay, interesting. You know, I was comparing it's because we came off the Matrix. I was, I was right. we're kind of following a progression here because I was like, this is kind of a progression from the Matrix. Some mm. of the stuff in this is very much derived from yeah. things we were talking about in the Matrix. Mm. But the difference in the Matrix, and this is an important distinction to know because if you're making action films, this is how. You, it's not that noticeable when you when you pull into the stunt actors unless you're looking for them. Right. However, they're there. You yeah. know what I mean? They don't look like Scott Pilgrim. They don't look like you know Chris Evans. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. These things happen. In The Matrix, you don't have that because he put his people through the ringer. So mm. they had to do the prep. Michael Sarah clearly didn't have to do... Although I loved the meta commentary with the stunt doubles in the fight yeah. against... With Chris Evans, right? Yeah, Luke it's, Lucas. It's yeah. all these guys. And then do you notice later that... Um, one of the guys that Kieran Culkin's character takes home to bed with him oh. is one of the stunt doubles. No, I didn't realize. <laughs> I only noticed See, it this time. Kieran I just, Culkin is You get the multiple genius. views and yeah, you yeah. finally caught yeah, it. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh my God, it's one that's, of the... That's Edgar Wright, man. That I is loved it. so Edgar Wright. Just like it. every time you watch one of his films, there's something Something else you can. So, so yeah. that's why acting would get an A+, because they went the, the extra mile to do the, the, the physical scenes and, and, and it all just flows together so wonderfully. Absolutely. So this one... Big one, we can do this one on music. Yes. So, Eddie. Me? Um, okay, I. Uh, it's an A+. If there was anything higher, A++, whatever, um, it's spectacular. It feels like a music video every time that they're... I just going to say that. Like, you know, this, playing live. Just the whole thing could be like one, two-hour yeah. music video. Yeah. Baby Driver's the only one that's slightly better than that. Right, that. I, and that's him kind of upping the ante on, on his own work. Yeah, he shortens the time frame. If you notice, the, the run time is a half hour shorter, and then it just goes from song yeah. to song. Uh, Nigel Godrick, who did the music for it, he... Uh, is a famous um, DJ and also a producer and engineer. And he produced um, Radiohead's OK Computer 
and worked with people like Beck and yeah. you can just tell that whoever was doing the music was really kind of plugged that, in. That's the other thing. And you have to, this would be one where you would need someone like Edgar Wright is that person, but in general, um, and this is me putting my own name forward. Um, <laughs> you need someone who can get into that music scene. Cause this yeah. is a, this is a dive farther than even from Tarantino soundtrack. Yeah. So, I guess the earlier version of this film, with when we talk to music, the progression of music and film as it's doing now, the earlier version, and we talked about this in other ones, is Tarantino was really good about finding songs you hadn't heard before, putting them into a, a movie, and putting them into a scene that you're like, oh, wow, that song's awesome. Yeah. Do you know? I, he even self-references it in uh, uh, de- death, uh, death, Proof. death Proof, because the girl in the car is saying, like, have you ever heard this song? No, it's by blah, blah, blah. I can't even um, remember the name. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in that as well. I think so. Yeah, yeah she is. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, A plus for me. It's... So, yeah, and, and I mean, it would have the same for me. I'm going to gush a little bit longer about it, because this is what I'm talking about. Like, for me, these are the films I love the most, because you just have a rhythm to them that fits with the music. It is interesting because this this is designed for a younger audience. I wonder how you would do it with music for an older audience. I think more of like a Forrest Gump where you're you're using tunes from the the eras that you're playing. Through. I mean, maybe Driver, you know, uses a lot of kind that, of oldie that tunes. That could have used an older like audience, that. yeah. So this one, it is very indie, but keeps the vibe. It's just the way it all seamlessly fits in, and that's not just the music; it's the sound effects. So the, here's where I can talk about briefly before I talk about it in more depth later. The the video game references. Yes. I mean, this opens up with some of the sounds that, that if you are as much of a geek about Link's, you know, Link as I am about the adventures of Zelda, yeah. God. And they even put a character in there, young Neil, who is like every, that's you, that's you yeah. in the film, <laughs> sitting there on the couch like, the guy's like, I love the part where it's like, uh, what do you, what do you play? Because he's in this band thing and he's yeah. not in the band. So he's yeah. like, that's a complicated question. <laughs> because, like, and I just felt like that's and he me. Doesn't he start naming, like, like, Zelda? Tetris, yeah. Zelda. I mean, man, this this literally, you know, Ed knew me at that age. That could have been a conversation with me. That, that, like, One of my favorite lines in the film is when Scott starts playing the bass and it's the Final Fantasy VII. But that's so dope. Like, and it is. It's done it, done it, done it, done it. I could play it for yeah. you. Like, that's the sad thing. But Kim's like, oh, Scott. You're the salt of the earth. And these like, oh, thanks. And then she's like, yeah, she's no, like, I mean, scum of the earth. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> so funny. But if man. you've hung out with video game nerds, yeah, that's what yeah, we yeah. do. When I used to have my guitar, I'd be like, oh, dude, that's that song from that game. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And then my car, the funniest thing about, like, because there are a few songs on the soundtrack mm. that are, like, video game songs, but this would take back, like, three years ago, four mm. years, a little bit longer than that. So five years ago, I was so obsessed with video games. This is when Indie Game, the movie, came out. Mm-hmm which is a phenomenal documentary if you haven't seen it. Haven't but seen it that. encapsulated a movement that was going on at the time. That was when Unity came out. And Unity is this wonderful free source programming software that helps you design video games. Mm. Some great video games have been built on Unity. Okay. And you anybody can do it. It takes a lot of work because you mm. still got to program it, use JavaScript, all mm. this stuff. But so five years ago, before the film company, I had Shadow Construct Productions wasn't an actual company i never incorporated but was my video game company mm. and at the time i was building computers that's part of the reason i got started is i built a computer because that's really fun if you haven't done it before um but then i got into the programming again and, and, and going through things that i've done before in my life 
But then I started listening to video game music, like 8-bit video game music. Mm. And it was always in my car. And let me tell you how much it drove my wife nuts. Because <laughs> she was just like, man, every time I get this car, it's like playing Pac-Man. She's like, I can't take it anymore. Oh, and I was like, and I'd be like, and then she was just like, I really hate this music. And I'd be driving my car like, well, I'm driving, so, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I get to pick. Driver's rights. Driver's rights. I mean, genuinely, though, it's just like from the opening, you've got the universal music in that style. <laughs> with the pixelated uh, logo and stuff. It's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a triumph for Universal as well. You know, well done on them for backing this film. Because this is another one that's, like, you know, we were talking about Life of Brian last week. I wonder how many houses this got chopped around to. Yeah, you think? Definitely. I mean, the the the, the hard Sc- to get the hard- Scott Pilgrim as the comic book, sure. But then you're like, and this is the film I want to make. And yeah, I imagine it was script- hard for people to kind of know what they had. This would be one like storyboarded out because mm. reading the script, I'd be like, I don't get it. Mm. I mean, with the comic book, it kind of already is storyboarded out. But kind of, kind yeah, of. Yeah. But do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the stuff he pulls off on this is so difficult. No, if is. we would have read it in pure script form, like not a not a a shooting script, like yeah. a just a pure script, you'd be like, so how are we going to do this? Yeah, like yeah. I don't even understand. What I mean, doing he's here. he's he's so brilliant at that. So, but yeah. that's yeah, that's what we always say about Edgar Wright. This is another example of his Biggie Smalls talent, his ability to do a shot in his head yeah. before he puts it on the screen. Yeah, to know what it's going to look like. Once it's put together. Because your edits have to be tight on that one. That one, you wouldn't have choice. So, overall grade then, we've given... i sorry, music is is an A-plus for me as well. Yeah. I mean, it's insanely good. It's the, one of the best parts of the film. Um, overall grade. A-plus. A-plus. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Um, and, and again, this is an A-plus, even though I don't have much to give you as far as, wow, as an indie filmmaker, you should do this. Like, this is a difficult film if you were an indie filmmaker. This is something to aspire from. What I would say is the benefit of putting this on our top ten is... This has a lot of really good source stuff that you can take from it. So yeah, I think it's it's something to definitely look at if you're looking to adapt something, or you need some creative inspiration. Yeah, creative inspiration to to you know the choices that you want to make visually. I think it also speaks to again watch his music videos and then watch this film because you you see the training that he's kind of gone on to get to this point well it, it, good see this is the thing because i'm always trying to give snippets right again not because i'm some big time producer but because you know i i have a feeling people who listen to this are just as desperate as i am to kind of make it and get that vision out there that's part of the reason i keep bugging eddie about music videos because we have great ideas for 90 minute 120 minutes i've got a tv series that i'm working on you know we have all this stuff but it's it we're not going to shoot any of it because we yeah. need money and, and you know unless somebody's going to call us up on the phone or whatever like it's just not going to happen. But a music video, and you talk to anybody in the business, you do them in a day. Now, we mm. didn't have that experience on our last music video, but generally you're going to shoot them in a day, and they are incredibly experimental. On the other music I videos would, you do. I would potentially say more than a day. but Well, you've done more than I have. You, you know, Before you were with me, you were with, uh, what was the name of your production company? Uh, Enanoski. You still have that running? Uh, no, no, no. Just the website up or anything? No. No. Uh, I'm, I kind of canceled it. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have to say it like that I made him cancel it when he first opened the production company I just wondered if he'd resurrected it since then because I was a bit of a dick when I first started in this company yeah. <laughs> a bit of a dick um, but no I mean the music videos that I worked on yeah it was like a day two days and you did what three or four of them yeah I did about three or four they're, they're good guys if you can find them I all I a couple of awards for some of them but they're good again a lot of it comes down to you know time and money 
and you know the resources that you have at your disposal um but it's 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 good it's see music videos are short films that have more of a market yes and less of a story and it's funny isn't it folks i mean i was two podcasts ago i, I wouldn't let you rip away from the story in the slightest and now it's like with me that's why i like music videos because i don't really care about the story yeah, you can kind of be more like fluid with it. I always be think, more imaginative. I was thinking of the cow and sweet dreams, you know, because that was the eighties when they just stuck things like that in. It was like sweet dreams. I mean, why is there a cow in this? Why not? And then again, it's a it's a place where you can experiment. You can experiment mm. with uh, Peter techniques. Gabriel. Peter Gabriel, famous for that in his eighties, yeah. stop motion stuff. Absolutely. Uh, some of my favorite, like Queens of the Stone Age, when they did that animated one. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the stuff I was watching today from you sent me from Edgar Wright. Like, mm-hmm. it's really funny. The first one with the driving, like, I've got a script for that. I think I've sent it to you. That's like to a song and a guy driving, and I'm like, oh, it's because it's so oh, easy. That's to- the one that he, that, that's the one that um, inspired Baby Driver. Yeah. The one where he's singing in the car. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the so, one that he, so he originally had the, the idea for, for Baby Driver, and for years and he just couldn't get the money to make it so he turned no, it into no, no. a music but that's, video that's the thing and that's I think that's why I probably didn't need this guy because like I've sent you that I think and I think I've sent it to you as Baby Driver-esque potential film or whatever and I mm. literally was listening to my playlist and writing a scene for each of those mm. and it was like 10 different little music videos that connected a story together mm. um, and that was just really cool so yeah now I'm just like I want to go back and write that now. I'm going <laughs> to work on that tonight no it's, it's definitely something that we should uh, you know and everybody should so this is the thing I'm just trying to walk you through like this is how we get inspiration you know mm. what I mean this is how we work on stuff if I can write a 10 minute script versus a an hour long script then we can shoot that right and if I don't care what it looks like then we can really shoot it so mm. and we've done that before as I said on our website we have the 60 second short that we did mm-hmm. that was just a really decent concept and because it's my concept it's a decent I was about to say great but <laughs> so humble <laughs> so humble it was a decent concept uh. and we just did it and it was it was my first time filming anything really so Eddie was laughing when I was like wow this is taking a lot longer than I thought because <laughs> we were supposed to be done at like, like noon wait, so how long is this we were supposed to be done at noon like we finished seconds. at like 5 and we started at 7 and I was like wow this is a 60 second truth that took all freaking day yeah so welcome to the life welcome to the life yeah um okay so favorite scene and worst scene what's let's do that real quick favorite okay. scene um favorite scene it's it's hard because there's so many i think i could give you favorite fight okay uh my favorite fight is the one against the the vegan i think that's your vegan powers have been revoked with Thomas Jane just showing up uh, and uh, the other actor who's a fantastic actor he's been nominated for Oscars and stuff like that are you blanking on the name? I am I didn't, I didn't know either of those guys who yeah, are they? and Thomas Jane who's Thomas who's Jane? the Punisher he played the Punisher and okay. is like uh, Netflix Punisher? Uh, no he played the movie Punisher oh uh, okay and uh, he also did Hung the TV show for uh, HBO I am sorry. Uh, and he was in The Expanse, the sci-fi show on Netflix. Nope, see, this is all the reasons I don't know who he is. Uh, but he, he was And funny. also uh, Boogie Nights, which... Uh, who is he playing Boogie Nights? He's the cokehead <gasps> that becomes close with Mark Wahlberg. Yes, okay. Now yeah. he does look familiar. Now I've poofed up his hair a bit, and I'm like, ah, yeah. here we go. Um, but just that whole scene, it's so funny. Um, and it kind of pokes fun at veganism in a way that... Uh, kind of acknowledges that it is a good thing but at the same time is like all right 
easy fella, you know. Uh, but uh, chicken chicken sandwich on a Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, trying to trick me to drink half and half or something. Uh, but <laughs> these Scots just like actually, it's just a very very funny scene from beginning to end, and the fighting is very cool. There's the moment when he uses telekinetic powers to kind of lift him up. Base battle. <laughs> yes, the base battle as well. Oh, phenomenal. So cool, right? Um, worst scene, um, I, I guess just the, the moment where it turns out that Ramona's got like the chip embedded in her. Okay. I was like, okay, uh, it seems convenient, but fine. Well, see, the alternative was, so, mm. and I really thought about this point because I, again, all of a sudden about midway through this film, I was like, I want to see Ramona's story because that's what I've missed about this film that it's telling her story she's trying and she tries to tell him that and part of it is telling it from her perspective she's telling a guy a boyfriend this and he's not really listening to it because he's a bit of a dick because mm. i know you're like he's an asshole i'm like this is just pointing out that all men are assholes okay because <laughs> yeah. he's about as nice as they come right mm. so but he's not really listening because he's got his own thing going on and he's like yeah 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 so you used to live here and you're so cool and he's just frantically worried that she's not going to like him where she's just trying to be like this is what's going on in my life Every right now. Every time with his hair, he's like... He exactly, exactly, right? And it all makes sense. God, I was that guy that had the Fred for a breakup and then for a year later, like, no one could talk to me. Like, mm. trust me, I've been there. But it's all about, that's the narcissism there. Yeah. And for her, she's trying to be like, been around, been a lot of cool places. However, things just aren't working out. So the other way, story-wise, you could have done that. Mm -hmm. It would have gotten, it might have gotten a bit darker, is if she didn't have the chip, then she's really just saying, I can't get away from Gideon. Mm. And trust me, having grown up with you know people I have, women and whatnot, like, mm. there's definitely an element of that with right. relationships and women. Like, my sister was certainly one. Sorry, Nikki. Like, Being unable to kind of she, break away. Yeah, kind of she just couldn't. The guy, I mean, was, that the guy is, would be horrible for yeah. her, but it'd be like, but I just can't. See, and that to me... And so I'm saying if they said that instead, yeah. would that have been better for you? Yes, absolutely. That would have made it much more interesting. But I don't think that works for Ramona's story because that shows her to be... She is not a weak... And I'm not saying my sister's weak. My, my sister is completely single now and has her own life and has worked out all those demons. But it's seen as a thing of weakness. Yeah. And so that's what I mean. Like, I don't... I, I get that. I get that. I, it's, it's, a, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult thing. It's just... You know, everything seems so meticulous when it comes to Edgar Wright and his films. And this seems like being unable to come up but with a But that's what I'm saying. Solution. I'm just thinking because the, the follow through with anything that you do with that. So let's say you don't have the chip. And again, mm. she's with him because she's just, it's like an abusive relationship. Mm. She can't get away from the guy. Mm. So you're saying that Scott kills him so that he can have Ramona. I'm saying... And that's, it's, it's like playing Pets the Parcel, is it not? No, because... Hopefully, with um, his arc, he has now realized that it's not about possessing her and that, um, you know, he would be, he would want her to, to be happy. Okay, so ideal ending for you then, mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm just walking this through, yeah. this is interesting to me. Mm. So ideal ending is no chip, she's with him because she can't get enough of him. Then we have the full ending that we saw with, you know, Scotland, the, the, the glory of self-respect, yeah, self which is true because that's teaching you about relationships. Took me forever. My wife actually taught me about that mm -hmm. um, sometimes in very difficult ways. Mm. Um, but so, yeah, so he kills Gideon and then he'd walk off with Knives Chow yes. and she would walk off by herself. Yes. And she would choose 
to walk off by herself. Yeah, that's what well, she does. Right. It's just, that, as I said, the change that, that Edgar Wright makes is that he runs after her right. and says, no, no, I'll come with you. Yeah, let's try again. Yeah. Which is cute, and but yeah, that 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 would be my perfect ending. Okay, okay. I as I said, I see the chip because I see. It's probably in the comic book. I just assume that must be in the comic book that way. Hmm. Um, and I just saw the problems that you're opening if you take the chip away and say that she can't make up her mind because she's also the one that changes her every five. I minutes. wonder if it's also like it is alluding to that kind of abusive relationship. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, definitely. With the whole chip. It's a metaphor. It, yeah, it's yeah. a metaphor, exactly. Absolutely. So, absolutely. And I just think I it's mean, easier I, to portray it as a chip rather yeah, than saying he beats no, me, so yeah, I stay with him. Yeah, absolutely. You know and I mean? that, 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 that is probably more palatable. Um, in, in the context of this film. Yeah. I said, you know, completely different film, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah but yeah. in the context of a video game, fight scene, it's yeah, like, yeah. it'll just get distracted if, like, right. she show a huge bruise on her. Yeah. Especially because she's such a badass fighter and nobody has one bruise on them the entire, the entire thing. Very true. Because of video game fights. Right. So no one gets hurt. So, best scene, worst scene for you? Ooh, that came up quick. Ah. <laughs> Trying to catch you off guard. It's tough. I'll go back to what I said before. My favorite scene is the stalking scene. Okay. Only because I can put myself there so many times. Like, mm. hopeless romantic. I'm terribly... You probably wouldn't know this from hearing me on the thing, but I am terrible... Ed's probably one of the only people that actually know this. And now my podcast listeners. I am terribly shy around women. The minute I actually like them... If I don't like them... So, girls, you'll know this. If I'm really cavalier with you and really showboaty, that means I don't like you. Because I don't get shy around girls I don't like. Uh, girls I don't I, I don't like. But uh, if I really like a girl, that's when I get speechless, mm-hmm. and that's when I start acting like a complete the teen in you. And he's seen it. Ed has seen this happen so many times. Um, uh, even do it with my wife, and my wife's just the best with it because my wife's like, "Yeah, this get again. Over it. This again. I'm English. You still haven't figured that out." Like. <laughs> So, anywho, so I love that scene because it is, it's about going, and then all the different things that are filtered into the the, the, the awful conversation about Puckman, the, <laughs> the, 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 the wording that's Puckle, just Puckle. everywhere, and, and the, you know, do you know who this girl is? You yeah. know, it's like, it's just ridiculous. It's such so, yes, a that scene. sequence is probably my favorite because it encapsulates everything great about the worst scene. It's very difficult because I, I love every aspect of this film. I would say. The only thing I might not have done, and I understand why they did it, but again, this is a long film. I wouldn't have done the reboot. I wouldn't have done the one-up death. I think that just took it. As oh, yeah, when it kind of like... The whole point he's doing it, and again, it's Edgar Wright. This is very Edgar Wright because you were teaching mm-hmm. me about him before, and again, it's the exact same scene done differently, yeah. which he loves to do because you know that would save budget. Yeah, yeah. However, the film's running long at that point. It's past the hour and a half mark. I just don't think it's necessary. Why can't he just, if it's a simple story, which it, we both agree it is, mm. why can't he just go in there and kick Gideon's ass the first time? Again, they're trying to say what he has to learn about relationships. Right. He has to learn to have self-respect. I'm like, you could have filtered that into the beginning part, you yeah. know, and just said like, you know, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. Have that be in first time around. And then we don't have to repeat the whole thing all over again. Cause it just was, it's funny. Like the, especially when he's like, what's the password? He's like, you're a dick, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then, and then I love the, 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 the video game. This is a total video game reference with the meta, meta Scott. Like that is just, Oh my God. Like that. There's so many cool video games with a meta character and it just was awesome. 
and as oh, like, the I, the nega nega scott nega scott yeah, yeah, yeah you have to play like tekken had that link yeah, yeah. has that you know yeah, yeah. zelda have that mario he comes out like, oh yeah he's just a no because it's guy. always yeah. this it's always this scene so in in ocarina of time which is mm. the, the greatest zelda yeah, ever yeah. made uh, breath of wild close second but ocarina of time you know, one of the last fights you have to do is you go to the temple. There's seven. Was te- that on the Nintendo 64? Yes, it was. Oh. And so you go to the temple, and I think it's the sixth temple. Mm. You have to fight yourself. And it's mm. always one of the characters you have to fight in Zelda. Mm. It, Mario had a couple meta characters. Mm-hmm. In Tekken, as I said, there's always the Mega. Mm-hmm. And it just was a, a trope of, mm. of video games for yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah. And it's just to put that in there and then have it how it probably really would be because so it's you. Funny. So you're like. Yeah, dude, we're gonna go catch some brunch, you know, in a couple of days. <laughs> I love that. It's like, yeah, we're gonna grab some brunch. Yes. We're really nice, really I talked nice to Nick guy. and Jason, I'm sure he'd be like, they'd be like, dude, I'd be like, dude. <laughs> oh, that's So that, that's like just that that second sequence, I would have, as a producer, I would have taken away. I would have said, I, we don't need this, that. Edgar. Like, it's it looks great as it is. Yeah. Let's just have the fight. I wonder if he was like, but it'll cheap to shoot it yeah yeah no no and it, it, the desert scene though because it slows it down for that brief moment and mm. he does that a couple times too many yeah. with that i'm like i don't want to be in the desert again see i did uh, i did read something about there are very few complaints in terms of the the adaptation from the comic book yeah, yeah. but i think that one of them was that there in the comic book there's a lot more of that kind of like um, solitude, or it's like another dimension. Yeah, good or something for him like cutting that out because it really slows the film yeah, down. Yeah, and yeah. don't get me wrong, you have to put a bit of it in there yeah, because yeah. Ramona comes in as this kind of like she even talks about it when she first sees him with the Amazon package, the superhighway right. through his mind. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so like she's definitely someone that can weave in and out of this kind of thing he does to himself of saying like I'm so alone and I don't mm-hmm, understand anything. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's another reason that makes me always think of my wife because like mm. these are the things that a good woman will do for you. Right, you know, right, she'll, right. she'll be able to get in your head that way and yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. make things make things make more sense. Yeah. But yeah, too much time in that solitude desert and you would have just been lost. Yeah. Like, when are we getting back to the fun part, you know? So that was worst scene, best scene. Now we go into some specific questions. So I always do, how does this hold up? So we'll start with that and I'll let Ed talk about that. How does this hold up? 2010 uh, to 20, 2020? Ten year, a 10-year-old film. Um, the graphics look amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fights are fantastic. Yeah, uh, I think it holds up very, very well. And like, like, like we've been saying, kind of throughout the podcast, it's ahead of its time. It, it is. If it, it looks... had been, if it had been released five years later, in twenty fifteen, I think it would have been the yeah. kind of smash hit. Had this come out the exact same time, because as I said, indie film, the the movie, it might be a little bit younger than that. It might be twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. Excuse me. But they could have come out together and people would have gone people bought indie movie indie movie was just part of an era it was an era where you were downloading more yep. this is this is actually back then you had cooler stuff I used to be able to find the coolest independent films from these no name websites that would sell you a package of like five films for like ten bucks mm. and they don't do this anymore because they just they didn't make enough money doing any of this right. but indie film the movie I never bought a DVD of it I mm. like, downloaded it yeah 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 um, it's a great documentary but it's all about this kind of like you know, moves into hipster, more into like. It's Is it just, called indie film? Indie, no, indie game. Indie Sorry, game. Indie, indie game, game, the film. Okay. So and buy the special feature one if you I can. I need to. I need to watch it. Yeah, it's really good. Mm. It's really good as a documentary. Um, so yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, so yeah, probably about five years ahead of its time. Would it hold up in twenty twenty? Definitely. That's the other yeah. thing. The CG. CGI, sorry, like because it's so minimalistic, mm. it would work anywhere. Like that's the other thing he does right is 
a lot of this could have been, you know, it's it's one of the complaints that I have with the MCU is the only trick you have, and and DC is getting smart about this because Birds of Prey is not a CGI film; it's mm. a film that thrives on its action sequences. Right. Like MCU is a bit much with that. Like you have entire sequences that are nothing but computer generated, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it really; it's just excessive. Like, yeah. You sometimes wish it, it's like watching a Michael Bay film. You're it like, just gets tired. At it's some just, point, you're like, "Can I just see a real yeah. person fight a yeah. real person?" I think that's one of the reasons why something like Winter Soldier was very well looked upon because yeah, and maybe some of the, maybe the original Captain America. Captain America mm-hmm. does tend to, to be a bit more bare bones with that, yeah, and not and not as much. And Ant Man had definitely had some sequences. Yes, um, it definitely uh, had some other sequences that were CGI crazy. But uh, yeah, yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Um, okay, so yeah, it holds up really well. So. Hmm. Other good questions to ask about this film. Let me ask film. you one. Okay. Um, if you were to adapt any book or comic book, what would it be? Oh, well, I've already told you about the Warlord Chronicles, so I won't go back to that. That's the Bernard Cromwell that I would adapt, and, and I, I mean, I have that scripted. Have you we might... talked about this on the podcast? I, I believe we have. Oh, we okay. have, and Bernard, <laughs> Bernard Cromwell did um, an Arthurian legend. Okay? Yes, I remember us talking about this. I didn't know it was on the podcast. Yeah, maybe it was outside while you were smoking a cigarette or something. Um, I don't smoke cigarettes. You don't anymore. Um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> getting you in trouble with your mother. <laughs> Not that she listens to the podcast. No. Um, no, so, yeah, so there's an Arthurian legend told by Bernard Cromwell. It's historical fiction, because the Arthurian legend, Ed showed me a wonderful video about this, talking about how this works. Oh, yeah, I got you. I well. got you with that. He got me properly with it. Yeah, Wisecrack, very, very good. Wisecrack does a really good talk about Star Wars and the Arthurian legend and where they meet. And, and yeah, the, the whole point that Wisecrack makes about the Arthurian legend is that it's very malleable. It is, because we don't really know. Arthur probably never really existed anyway. So you're telling a myth, you know, it'll be what happens with Batman and Superman in years to come. Kevin, Kevin uh, Smith actually just talked about this. A little Avengers Endgame he thinks is going to be like, you know, canon, like Bible for people in, you know, a hundred years time. And I'm like, could be. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Kevin Smith, but he does get a little, he waxes. If you wax lyrical. Yeah. I mean, I would love, I would kill to get you both into a room. I think it'll happen someday. I think the universe would implode. Kevin, give us a call, man. We'll do it. I would love to do a podcast with Kevin Smith. So, so yeah, so the, it's an Arthurian legend told, you know, it's told from the right perspective. So the basics of Arthur is that he was Welsh, mm-hmm. he was fighting the Anglo-Saxons, and so Bernard Cromwell creates this world that is basically England under siege by the Anglo-Saxons. Mm. It's also under siege between um, the pagans who are losing to the Christians. Christianity is spreading mm. viciously mm. over the continent, or over, sorry, not the continent, over the island. And it has a lot of political implications all the way through. That's why the second book is called Enemy of God, because most people don't know it. But, you know, Arthur wasn't beloved by the Christians. He was hated by them. He's considered the enemy of God because he he stole from churches to fund his wars against the well, against the Anglo-Saxons, who were coming at him from all ends. So I've just, I've read those books at least two dozen times. Um, and visually in my head, I can see where it would go. I can see how I would shoot it. So... That's the first one, um, but I'm trying to think comic book wise. Um, if I had a set of comic books that I would take, because I, I used to read a lot of comics. Yeah, you're bad into your comic books. Still am kind of. Um, if I'm being honest and I'm being completely honest, I want to take, like, I want to really do one of the old Batman graphic novels. Like, why oh, has Killing Joke never been done? 
That's it's been sh- done as an animation. Which yeah, is so what? Like spectacular. You know, and, and there were elements of it. I never saw Joker, but I saw all the trailers and I've heard mm. about it incessantly. There are elements of okay, interesting. That. But that's a really good story. The mm. problem would be is you'd have to rip out the candy. And the whole point of a killing joke is it's not an origin story because the Joker doesn't have an origin. Right. That's I'm, the whole I'm, point I'm, I'm, of the Clown Prince of Crazy. I'm bored of Batman, to be honest. Sorry. I'm like... I just... I have the... Those are the graphic novels I love. So, Watchmen's already been done, and the series apparently is... I, I've been listening to podcasts about the series. I'm desperate to watch it now because I've heard it's so much better than Zack Snyder. Yeah, like, people are raving about it. No one's watching it. Don't get me wrong. Zack Schneider. I mean, that's a discussion and adaptation. Zack Schneider. I didn't mind the film. What I minded is what he changed. Because it was like you fundamentally have changed yeah, the way this operates. Yeah, it felt like it, he didn't quite understand the point. Well, yeah, exactly. So and if you don't know what the change is, I'm going to ruin it for you right now. So Zack Schneider, instead of making... The Watchmen obviously is about seven kind of superheroes. Some of them don't have superpowers. Some do. Dr. Manhattan is one of the most powerful ones. He's like your version of Superman. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that gets stuck in a horrible nuclear accident and is now one of the most powerful beings in the universe. Um, but in the books... You have Ozymandias, who's the rich guy, he's the Tony Stark or the Bruce Wayne, decides to create this villain, this this thing mm. in the comic book to make the world come together. Mm. And Zack Snyder, and I don't know why he thought this was okay, and I'm not saying it wasn't, I, I guess it doesn't really matter in the end because it's one person's interpretation, but he decides to make Dr. Manhattan mm. the bad guy in the end. And it was like, you can't do that, mm. like that's... He's the most powerful being in the universe, and right. he's benevolent at this point. Right, like, right, right. What do you think he's going to do if you accuse him of murdering? And people? if he really wanted to, if he wanted know, to, he could yeah. just wipe out everything. Right, that's right, the whole right. point of Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. He has these. There's all these scenes in the book about them going to Mars because mm. that's where he goes, and he mm. just sits there, and he's mm. like, eh. yeah. Um, so so yeah so sorry. Comic book adaptation would be probably a Killing Joke. I'd really joke. like to see that made. Um, but you know, as far as adaptation for me. I, it's in my head. It's ready to go. Mm. Chronicles. They tried on BBC. Mm. I need a lot more money. Oh, I don't know if I need a lot more money on BBC. They tried it on BBC. Yeah, they? it was a series on really? BBC. Oh. Um, my father-in-law told me at least. Oh, okay. um, and yeah, I mean, it would it would look like some of the BBC ones. So yeah, yeah. Last Kingdom is another one of Bernard Cromwell's. Mm. I think what I would like to do is a bit what you'll see when we finally get my short made. Um, you know, I live in the forest, like in the forest. Most people don't get that, but it's the suburbs, but I mean, my house is in the forest and I have become a complete forest, whatever you want to call it, forest dweller or whatever. And there's a certain amount of mud, dirt and grime that I love to the to, to that kind of like English outsideness to everything. And I think if you read the World War Chronicles, he puts that level of grime on every character. Mm. You know, I one of the, sh- the the opening scenes is the birth of Mordred. And as the birth is happening, which is completely messed up, and it's, you know, apparently Mordred's mother in the, in the book is a Christian, mm-hmm. um, but obviously the Pendragon is, uh, Uther is, 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 a, is a pagan. Mm-hmm. So they start with the Christian rites, and she's having a really hard time um, getting this through. And so Uther just orders all the priests out and says, this is ridiculous. My, 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 this is my heir. He's mm. going to die mm. because of your stupid religion. Mm. So he sends in 
you know, the Druids. Yeah. And in this case, the Druids are the women. So there's uh, there's a Merlin's, like, 14-year-old accomplice. Right, right, right. Um, which that's part of the book I'd have to probably adapt because right. we'd get in a lot of trouble, but <laughs> it's his accomplice, in quotes. Uh-huh. Um, and she starts by sitting and pissing at the doorway. Mm. And then, you know, they're describing the scene. She takes hay out and throws it out like... It's the visualization of like this old English thing that I see a lot because that's like to me the forest and it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. natural part of England. Yeah. England's a very pretty place, but it's also a very natural yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beards are very cool here, you know? <laughs> it's just one of those things. Yeah. Like it's the best way to describe it. You're it's very wilderness here, mm. you know? So yeah, that's kind of the vision I would have for doing that with Did Arthur. you ever check out uh, Britannia, the Sky T V show? No. I think I think you would like it if nothing else for the visuals, but it's about the Romans coming over to try and conquer uh, Britain. Oh, okay. And so the Druids are their kind of main. That's, that's the famous loss of Innismon. So Innismon's where the Druids are killed by the Romans. Like they just slaughtered them all. Right. That right, was right, the right. end of Druidism. Yeah. So I think this is kind of before all that. So the Druids are still like. You know, yeah, the ones... this is and this is talked about in, in in the Warlord Chronicles. This is post the Romans doing this because this is post the Roman occupation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to remember, Rome has fallen, or at least is 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 gone away from Britain. They've left, right? Kind of the remnants of lots of things, and that's another really interesting bit of the book mm. is how it talks about places like Bath, right. where they go into. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, there's still these semblances. There's an entire like county, as it would be, that still follows Gwent, follows mm. Roman ways. Mm. They dress like Romans and. That's fascinating. I, that's what I mean. There's yeah, so yeah, much yeah. you could do with it, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. definitely, anyways. definitely check out Britannia. So that's yeah, that's the thing. So there's there's the pitch, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. let, let me do Warlord Chronicles, and I will make it look amazing. It's a great <laughs> story. I, I don't imagine it's cheap because Bernardo Cromwell is a very distinguished writer. Hmm. Um, but I just see it. It's three books. I could do it as three movies, and I I just it's one of those things. Like I don't even have the script. I could do it out of my head. Like yeah, yeah, I yeah. just literally can see it. Yeah. So. So let's yeah. Should we move on to the last bit of legacy? Sure. Uh, and, let me uh, just. Uh, what would I adapt comic book wise? Oh, sorry. And it's like I want to speak, and Jason is as usual <laughs> no, no, just no. railroading us to the um, end of the show. Just very quickly. No, it's uh, a good point though. What would you want to adapt? Because I don't think you've actually ever told me these things. Uh, book wise, uh, Terry Pratchett, um, the Watch, which is currently being made. Okay. By Narrativa. Narrativa. Do you Hire like the us, way that they're, they're done? I mean, because they always have a Doctor Who type style to them, and no. I'm not sure it fits the No, books. I don't think that they... I think my vision is the right vision. And explain that. That's that's all I'm saying. Just give the filmmakers a bit of a... Uh, so, you know. I believe that um, it would be best done as a uh, 3D animation. Okay. Uh, over a series of uh, 10 episodes per season. And each of the watch books being one season. Okay. Um, I think that it's the kind of thing where we would need to set up uh, an animation studio in the UK. Uh-huh. Because it's so quintessentially British uh-huh. that I think you have to understand that through and through as you're making it. I like it. There's the pitch for the animation studio, guys. Let's see, let's <laughs> um, see some money. And I think that it is... So uh, Terry Pratchett is described often as the the member of Monty Python that just wasn't a member of Monty Python. Okay. Um, particularly just in his books. And a lot of his stuff is a little bit inaccessible. There's a lot of kind of meta science to it. And um, it's not very easy to get into it. But the watch books are incredible crime stories. Okay. 
and they deal with it's a reflection of, of society right okay. and uh, I think that it's the kind of thing that could have the sort of popularity that something like Game of Thrones had okay time. so what kind of 3D animation are we thinking like Clone Wars style no uh, I'm talking about gritty high end um, I'm trying to so think more more like some of the CGI we saw in um, in his Dark Materials Yes, yes, definitely. Because um, that's what I'm saying. 3D animation, like to me, it's so it's so crisp. I'm mm. like, I know what you're trying to say, so I'm just trying to visualize it because it sounds cool. Yeah, uh, I think about um, what's the Japanese the Final Fantasy film? Which one? Advent Children. Advent Children. Yes. Okay, so it can still be uh, polished, but you want it to have a bit of that has a lot of edges to it. Yes, um, which, and which it, fits the Final Fantasy yeah. kind of thing. And again, that kind of dark dirtiness because the city that's uh, Midgar it's, no it's uh, in, in, sorry, the, the city you're talking yeah, about yeah. In, in Final Fantasy it's Midgar okay there you go uh, but in 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 uh, in the Watch series it's Ang Morpork which is like a incredible almost like London mixed with New York okay. you know mixed with Rome um, big city yeah it's just uh, Mega City 2 and the comedy is just unbelievable. It really is, really, really is incredible. Um, okay. To me, it's it's, and he's he's one of the most popular writers of all time. Mm-hmm. So the 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 audience is there, they they want to see the stuff. Yeah, yeah. But just no one has quite hit the nail on the head. Well, I guess, but that's for pitching. That's my job. Go out mm-hmm. there and get us the get us the business. Um, and then comic book. I am a big fan of uh, Mark Bernardin. Okay, what kind of stuff has he done? Uh, he's done a little bit of everything. He did Highwaymen, which is the crime... That's a good one, yeah. Um, ...kind of uh, comic book. But he has been working on... I haven't read it yet, but it sounds like such an amazing uh, storyline. So it's like modern day, uh, and a young African-American girl gets superpowers. Okay. And it's her dealing with... Life, you know, in the African-American community mm-hmm. in L.A. or somewhere like that, uh, whilst having these superpowers and potentially, you know, like dealing with certain injustices and, okay. and stuff like that. So he's he's a voice that I like really appreciate mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and uh, I think he has just incredible, incredible chops. Okay. When I was thinking of another comic book. I was what were like, you thinking of? It's funny. The reason I can't come up with a good comic, I have only graphic novels now because my my th- I had a, a thousand comics. I was a comic book, you know, I was a rich kid, so yeah. that was one through that phase, twelve through fifteen, and I left all those comics with a friend of mine. Al, if you ever listen to my podcast, give me my comics back. It wasn't his fault. I literally moved to California and just said, "I'll get these back later," and never called him again. Yeah. Um, but I used to have. And that's part of the reason I like all the stories from that are old. They're from mm. the nineties. So yeah, I'm like yeah. I don't think any of those would be a decent adaptation. But I do remember I used to try to buy some of the off color stuff. And um, <coughs> excuse me. One of the off color ones I had was called The Protectors. Okay. And it, I can't even remember the publishing company, because this is how you knew they were off color. They would be image comics were slightly off color, that's where Spawn was at. You had Young Bloods and Wildcats. Those would make good like MCU style films. Yeah, yeah. I just, for me, it's like, I would make them. I would totally make them. It's just not, 
I don't think they're they're breaking any new ground anymore. So mm. I think you're just going to look like a Marvel film that way. Yeah. Spawn would be interesting to do. They're talking about it. They should. He, I mean, it's, the the guy it's, who created Spawn. It's been done. Todd McFarlane. Yeah. So he has been given a boatload of money to set up He's, his own McFarlane verse. Yeah. The problem is it's been done umpteen times. When I worked mm. in a you know a video store, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was when we were getting the Spawn stuff I out, remember. and he was working on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the first film came out and it bombed so badly. It was mm. like we're never going to do this again. But yeah, Spawn universe. There's tons you can do with that. There's yeah. a lot of really cool characters and. Todd McFarlane, he needs to team up with like a Clive Barker or something mm. like that. And then they can really make it creepy. <laughs> but the protectors, okay, the reason it was weird is the fifth issue. So you get introduced to all these superheroes, there's like six of them. And then they start killing them off one by one from the fifth issue onward. The fifth issue was so, I mean, I remember buying it from a Kroger's, which is like a Sainsbury's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a bullet hole through the entire issue. Oh, cool. It was the opening was the guy's back yeah, with the yeah, bullet yeah. hole and the blood dripping oh from. my god that's awesome that's probably why I picked it up because I was like wow yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is good but they, then they six subsequently kill off each of the the main superheroes in the next five so by the tenth thing they were all dead wow and it just was interesting because you didn't see that coming at all mm-hmm. and I don't know it's because they run out of money and they're like oh crap we gotta end the series as soon as we counted it but I'm like it just the shock of that mm. was like wow they all die mm. in the end and I think for me, if I was ever to do superhero stuff, which probably by the time I actually get to make big budget films, they'll be well past gone. They'll be like the Western. They'll be done. But, I, you know, Dark Knight, which may end up on our list, you know, that's to me the superhero movie I would make because yeah. I need something. That's the thing to aspire to. Because I don't, well, it's not that. It's, it's the anti thing to aspire to because I don't agree. The problem I have with superhero films is the public's love for them, but the mm. public's hate for superheroes. No one can be a hero in this world anymore. Mm. Okay, that's that's the line from Dark Knight, and it's as true today as it was when it was written by Christopher Nolan back then. You don't become a hero; you just live long enough to become the villain. Mm. And trust me, like I just fully believe that in my life. Frank, um, who wrote who Frank wrote, Miller? Frank Miller, yeah. Was that from the Dark Knight itself? Yeah, I think so. So, so yeah, so that's what I mean. I'd have to twist slightly, and the protectors do that because it kills them in the end. So it's like I think it's always interesting as well, like a, a lesser known kind of thing, you know that. But Ant-Man was like that. I didn't know who mm. Ant-Man was. And he was a big... He was iconic in the 50s and the 60s. But, but he, yeah, I mean, in terms of Marvel history, he's very important. Because he's actually the guy who put the Avengers together. Yeah, kind of, but that's you what know. I mean. Like, as a comic book reader, like, I never knew who put the Avengers together. To be right. fair, I didn't read a lot of the Avengers. I wa- no, yeah, me either. That was not one of my... The problem is the Avengers had a changing cast. And yeah. I like the X-Men because the X-Men yeah. cast changed, but they had classes. So you had... X-Men Silver and X-Men Gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Fantastic Four, I New might have had a couple Mutants. episodes, yeah, yeah. a couple of uh, issues of that. Spider-Man was my New favorite. Mutants, definitely. Mm. Uh, Spider-Man, definitely, because it was one guy you could follow what he was up to. Mm. Punisher, that was the one we always Punisher was very cool. My brother liked it. it very I, violent. Yeah, it was very So Punisher Warzone was the one your parents caught you with. You get in a lot of trouble mm. because it was really bloody. Um, but that's what I mean. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just the Avengers were never that interesting to me. Mm. And so now they're incredibly interesting, but yeah, I'm always fascinated by things like Scott Pilgrim that are adaptations of a comic book that you wouldn't expect, you know, I know exactly what you mean. So I guess walking dead's a good example of that. Like the walking dead comic book's great, but you wouldn't have thought the series, especially the early seasons would have been as good as they were yeah because you would have read the comic book well this is interesting about zombies but everything's yeah. about zombies I've never right watched now. Ghost World which is another one of those that people talk about as Ghost World okay mm. so yeah because is that the sequel to Welcome to the Dollhouse 
It has the same characters as the Welcome to the Dark. I know it's. I, I know about the movie. Scarlett Johansson, Thora Birch. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, no, I heard it was really good. And I, again, I an adaptation of a comic book, but not one that you would necessarily expect. Yeah. So, I think that will wrap us up, man. We've been talking for ages. Uh, yeah. God knows I'll have a little to do on the edit if this goes <laughs> over two hours. two hours. Well, I, I, the top ten ones, just so you know, guys, I'm keeping them at two hours because it's a discussion. And I think, you know, I listened to Life of Brian last time. Ed was a bit mad because he... he took the time to actually find some audio clips to put in and I was busy that night. Boom. So the next day I was like, I'm so sorry. I have not even looked at those audio clips. But the discussion in that was well worthwhile keeping. If I find stuff that I think is maybe just personal to Ed and I or things like that, I will pull it out of the podcast. But the, the And let t- us know as well. Like, you know, give us a comment. Sure. Let yeah. us know if you like the long form, if you would appreciate, you know, know short version. You know, we we're we're willing to experiment with lots of things. So um, that being said, as I said, this will be a good one for if you like Scott Pilgrim. Um, and if you don't, just listen for the film stuff. But before we sign off, I always like to remind you, you can find us on Facebook with Love Victoria Productions with our page there or with Jason Shirell or Ed Burgos. We are on Instagram with Anano LVP and Jazzy J. Shirell. We are on LinkedIn with uh, my own personal page with Jason Shirell, but also Love Victoria has a page there. We are on Twitter with Mouth Love Victoria, um, where we will receive tweets and send stuff on. And there's always something posting about what I'm watching. So if you want to know what I'm seeing in the cinemas that week, I normally post something about that as well. And then finally, the be all and end all is the website www.lovevictoriaproductions.com. Still one of the greatest websites on the web, but uh, uh, you know, vastly untouched, unfortunately. I see the yeah. figures, and I'm like, man, guys, you need to come, you need to come around, come around to the water. It's just fine over here. <laughs> so please check it out. It's got lots of cool stuff on top of these podcasts. So it'll give you an opportunity that if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we are um, we do this via SoundCloud. That's where I have the account. However, it is also available on Apple Podcasts. If you really enjoyed it and you don't have time to do anything else, please go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. It literally takes three seconds to do and helps us stand out from the billions of, of film podcasts There's out a few. there. Just a couple. There's a few. Just a couple. It's just a couple. So, but other than that, thank you all so much for listening to this. As I said, this is truly one of my favorite films. And if nothing else, I just like having enough to be able to talk to my best friend about it and have somebody else listen to it who's your lovely listeners over there. So thank you very much for joining us for... What are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about? Very good. And we will see you next time. Thank you so Peace. much.